second and goal from the two-yard line. Billisley again, carries it this time, and there is an official touchdown. Judy right there with a tough reach block inside. So I've I've always been pretty appreciative of our listeners, Don. Yeah, I wish that I could give them all the gift of the opportunity to watch a big OU game at Pete's house. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe some people wondered why do I kind of like Oklahoma. Well, a good friend of mine who I've known since just before the Bob Stoops era uh, was a high school football star here. He had scholarship offers to all the schools out here. You know, Syracuse, Penn State. Yeah. Decided he wanted to go to Oklahoma, went as a walk-on, played behind Jason Belzer there. Taught me about OU. I've been able to watch a lot of OU football with him. And my brothers and I went to his house for Oklahoma, Ohio State. And I've been – I mean, they haven't been in a huge game, I guess. Well, the playoffs a couple years ago, but that was New Year's Eve, so I didn't get to go watch with them that night. Well, that's what I was going to kind of say is – uh I don't follow college all that much, but I do kind of like just keep an eye open at what they do because I know you're into them. I, I know Pete a little bit. And it feels like whenever they get in these games, since I've started paying attention, they win. lose them. <laughs> yeah. But I look I looked back. I'm like, wow, look at that. Stoops did have the best record against top 25 teams in his era. Yeah. I mean, they're always good. They play so many of like, them. Yeah. yeah. They play so many of them, I guess. But, oh, man, we, we had his house. It was such a wild night. I mean, they show the Ohio State girlfriend or the cheerleaders. What a bunch of whores! Always have their legs open, right? They show the That's OU. Pete yeah, okay. They show the OU cheerleaders. Good Christian girls, all virgins. <laughs> all their hymens are intact. You know, then, then they'll show show Ohio State fans intravenous drug users in the stands at a college event. No integrity. Then and. Like, you think that maybe there's, like, a joke to it, but it's, like, it's 20 years of consistency now. <laughs> like, that's just how he is, like, during the game. Do you think he's like that when nobody else is there, too? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it was a lot of fun. It was a good game. Maybe we'll talk more about it in three things. Anything about watching football uh, for your first weekend? What did you do for the Bills game? I just watched at home. No, no big rigmarole. I did have the two TVs. I had the Bills on the big TV and uh, the Red Zone on the other. Uh, yeah, I just kind of hung out, and watched it. Anyone come and watch with you? No, what no, you... it was just me and uh, the wife. Would you mostly eat? me? I don't even. I don't remember what I ate. No, no, no spread. Nothing crazy. We got it on Sunday. We got a went and got an appetizer platter from Zabs. Brought it home. Watched the early games, and then. I think we just got Jim's steak out for dinner before the Saints game Monday. But Nice. All right, let's do three. Th- oh, wait. We should say what's going on here today. All right. Uh, we have Field Yates making his debut. Uh, I think we pleased the people at ESPN uh, with our interview the other day of McDonough. Yeah. So we were able to I, – I pounced on the momentum and said, let me throw out a name. <laughs> I thought of Field Yates, thought it could be a fun spot. Sure. Uh, that got set up real easily. Field was really nice about it. Um, now I know you texted me. I mean, this won't spoil anything, but 
you texted me and asked for questions, and my first thought was, uh, what about this guy versus this guy? And right, it's like, I didn't that's do what that. everybody's going to yeah, do. Yeah, I didn't do that. I figured that he does that every day on his own podcast. Right. He gives all that information out. Yeah, it wouldn't be so anything new here. I talked more about his background, uh, developing his career, uh, working with Matthew Barry, what it, you know. So it's like behind the music with Phil. A little bit, yeah. and then we did talk about the game fantasy football how he sees what trends he sees okay how he thinks it will evolve in the future uh you know does he think it's going to be one thing he mentioned was and this is just a brief kind of spoiler we go into it more but he did talk about the possibility of little nuances in the game like brandon cooks runs a 50 yard fly pattern it's pass Draws interference. Pass interference. does he get those yards yeah, you know things like that is where he sees it maybe developing. He thinks that the game itself kind of has created its own framework that will sure stay intact. But it's a great interview. Uh, we'll do that after three things. Uh, then uh, we will give Don's picks. Oh, you held them? Okay. Yeah, I did hold. Full them. disclosure: I made them he did after Thursday's them. game. Okay. Wow, that's nothing. Um, so I may have thought Kansas City is. I mean, I may have overreacted to how good I think Kansas City was. Yeah, but that's all right. Uh, so we'll give Don's picks. Then we will do. Oh, I have an update on the Russian situation at the book too. Okay, um, we'll do that. The Russian situation. All right, but not the country. No, Steve. Uh, then we will uh, take a break. We have Matt, um, Jimmy Trainer, sports media c- critic from SI. Okay, we do about an hour. It's really good. We go all over the place, all over sports media. And then we'll do uh, one last thing. Let's play a game. All right. Mm-hmm. Count of three. One. Alrighty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. Alright, so in 2013, uh, the Saints went 4-0. Okay. In September. Uh, they actually ended up going five or six and zero before they lost in the last minute to New England. Since then, they are one in ten in games in September. Wow! Really? Yes. Wow. So they have not been good to start these seasons. It's a big reason why they've been seven and nine is they've been chasing the seasons, spending all this energy to come back from three oh three holes oh four holes. And uh, running out of gas, running out of steam. They were not very good on Monday. They were horrible on third down, which I thought was the key to the game. Uh, they were, I think, uh, Minnesota was 9, nine of 14. And the Saints were 4 of 9, including 0 and 4 in the red zone. Uh, that's really the game to me. I know they're going to give up yards yeah. and points. You know what, the one thing I will say about that... So, is there was the one touchdown and the receiver was kind of wide open all they, by himself. They bit on a play action. Right. But. Not worried about that. The Sam Bradford looked ridiculous that He's had game. so I much mean, time. He, He's a great quarterback when he has I mean, time. so accurate. So yeah. it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't. He picked them apart. He stood back there and picked them apart. They didn't get I remember watching the Saints. One sack. Last year or two years ago where quarterbacks would throw up what looked like punts and Nobody would get to him other than the receiver. It's like nobody was like that was when they looked totally lost with like Rob Ryan. I, right. didn't, I didn't think I saw that in the game. Just I thought they Sam did Bradford really, they did really good. I thought at first and second down on a lot of the drives, they just couldn't get enough pressure. And I think the one drive in the second quarter kind of broke their back for a bit. 
and they like couldn't get it back. They're really young. I mean, they had three to f- three rookies starting. You know, uh, Delvin Bro. Unfortunately, it's like the injuries they get always seem to be just at the worst spot. Positions, yeah. You know, where they end up the thinnest. with the thinnest yeah. depth. Um, but thing I was gonna say, and maybe when they're winning, I don't give the guy enough credit because you just say, "Oh, it's Breeze. Breeze is why they're winning." When they lose, Peyton looks really bad. Some games when they lose, I thought he called a terrible game. Oh, so did I. Way too much running. And why is that it they didn't successful. seem to hurry up until there was like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter? Oh, they're like that. That's so weird. They're like that. That's not the first time. That's got to be maddening. That's got to be maddening. Yeah, that there they can be like that. He's really you got a deliberate. Hall of Fame quarterback there, and he's just too deliberate. That's weird. And I mean, like I said, they had the ball eight times in the game. Yep. They're in the red zone five of them. Sure. So if they can get if that's their ratio of red zone to possessions, they're going to be as good enough. They're going to be good. They're going to win eight to ten games. Right, and that's where I would blame Peyton a little bit. It's you're kicked two extra points. Yes, yeah, three really. Right, three field goals. Well, right, because now they're under thirty yards. Yeah. Right, like you know your defense is going to be bad. You might have to play like the Colts and the. Yeah, they were not aggressive enough in weird. the red zone. Weird. They didn't throw the ball into the end zone enough. But. I mean, the Willie Sneed thing probably hurt, too. Did, yeah, yeah. sure. All that hurts. Uh, but, look at They are one of these teams, and I think there's probably like 15 to 20 of them in the league, who will win somewhere between 6 and 10 games. Yeah. If they have their worst season, they'll win around 6. They have their best, they'll win around 10. And when you're one of those teams, you can't kick three 25-yard field goals on the road on right. an opening right. day. Right, right. You just, it's just a recipe for death. I they are pretty much who I thought they were in the sense that I know they're going to give up yards, you know. Uh, the defense didn't give up thirty points. If they can, don't give up thirty every week, and we can get in the red zone five times. I think we'll win games. Uh, but they weren't good. Uh, they were they were really the, the they got outclassed a little bit. Minnesota was much better. I'm surprised a little bit by how good Minnesota looked. Now they have this monumental yeah. task of playing New England on a long week for them, a short week for us. Probably going to be 0-2 again. If anyone listened to Yoder and I last week, we knew this. We said if they can be 2-3, and we think they can make the playoffs. Yeah, Uh, It's a really hard stretch. What was your take on the Bills? They got off on the right foot. They did what they had to do, right? They did what they were supposed to do. I mean, some people will look at the box score and say, wow, you can only beat the Jets by that much. But, I mean, the Jets still have a good defense. The Uh, game was never close. He got picked in the end zone. It was never close. close. They dominated every single aspect of that game. And this, I mean, you talked about a team that could be anywhere from 6 to 10 wins. That's probably where the Bills are, too. And that's why in the preseason, when they made the Watkins trade, everyone said, oh, they're tanking. It's there. No. I mean, if they want to tank, I've talked about – I think it's more of a sure thing in hockey, so we're not going to get into that whole thing. But if they wanted to tank and they wanted to rebuild or whatever you want to call it, I would be okay with it. But they're not doing that. They're still too good to rebuild. Like they're going to win. They're going to have like the eight to tenth to fifteenth draft pick. Like that's not what you do if you want to guarantee the first quarterback out of the draft. So I don't know. What I do every year is I root for them until I feel like they're hopeless, and then I root for them to lose every game because I want to get the best draft pick available. So right now, I guess I'm rooting them to sneak into the playoffs. I think that there was plenty of times over the course of the last 16 years where they didn't do what they were supposed to do, but this week they did, and that's a positive. Sure. Uh, It's only the second Bills coach during the streak to win their first one. Or his first game. Right, Rex was the other one. Yeah. Um. I think he's a good coach. 
I like him, and if it's a cultural thing, and that's like what they it. say, yeah. then I'm fine with that. Yep. I mean, they caught a guy here. It was unpopular in the offseason. Not a single other team. Uh, Jonathan Williams. Yeah, nobody picked waivers, him up. Yep. Nobody picked him up. So he was free. Yeah, clear waivers. Clear waivers. Um, um, if you want to go from that to Rex, uh, yeah, two two guys <laughs> making their debut: Tony Romo and Rex Ryan. You got you got Tony Romo. Kind of, he's never been like a huge crazy. I mean, his commercials, I guess, were fun. Uh, but he's never been like this huge personality. He always was kind of maybe underappreciated. The handsome guy with the nice smile, kind yeah, of an aw shocks kind pretty, of guy. Yeah. And then there's Rex Ryan, this big, boisterous, uh, larger than life cartoon character. Boy, did he suck! Wow, he was all bad. time bad. All he was time bad. Bad. It was like a guy. There's, there's a clip you can find it. Somebody cut it together on the internet of Tony Romo like watching Predicting the quarterback awesome. audible, and awesome. then he's like, "Up oh, here comes the run to the left." Yep. It, it's great. I can't wait to watch Romo do a game now. My guess is there are guys in the booth who are kicking themselves because they're capable of that. Romo had the guts to do it, to go out and yeah. say, oh, he had the guts to say this is going to be a run to the right when he knew there's a chance it could be a pass to the left. He, because my guess is like John Lynch, when he started doing color, that he was recognizing sure. a lot of plays oh, yeah, up there, sure. right? But Romo, I think, maybe changed the game a little bit, even in one week, he by great. having the guts to do to call those plays out. He almost had that, like you said, he was like an all shucks type of person. I mean, that's almost how it was in the booth. Like he was like so innocent, like just doing what he knows how to do. And like him and oh, Nance, comes a, like he was excited. It sounded like him and Nance are calling Saints Patriots this week. And I can't wait. Yes. Yeah, so like I great. can't wait to be able to hear. Right, that's whole, weird to think about for announcers. Yeah. But on the flip side, that second Monday night game. Oh, I oh. felt bad for Beth. Yeah. Cause she had no, she had no chance. She was in a, a really hard position anyway, being the, you know, first female call. Right. She was going to get haters. She was all right. She was fine. She was fine. Right. She was a little thin. Her right. voice. I thought the broadcast in general was quiet and didn't like cut through well. That second Monday night game is a weird game always. Like. Oh, yeah. And people always hate the broadcasters, right? Yeah. Berman, they hated Berman for years. But, man, was that just bad. All-time bad. Like, he should never do guys it Guys that are in a rhythm, the play-by-play person will, will call the play. And they don't have to, like prod the color guy to kind of add something and you would think a guy that's known for talking and being loud and whatever would just be ready to give his opinion i wonder if he was afraid of himself yeah i don't know like he's like i gotta be more reserved i can't be crazy rex and then like the spots they did like trying to like the between two rexes and they were just they were really cringy and bad and sucked i feel bad for sergio whatever his name is dip I heard about but it. But he didn't did see not it. help his cause the next day this... with his video, his sad, sad video about being Mexican or whatever. Oh, I did not hear about it. I, so, I heard that he so messed he, up. So he did this horrible... Like sideline report. Sideline report, yeah. right? They, so bad it happened in the first quarter and they never went back to him. <laughs> That's how bad it was. All right. Yet they ran with Rex the whole game. <laughs> right. Well, I guess they couldn't kick him out. Sure. <laughs> that would have been funny if they had asked the Rex out. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to, like the 49ers radio guy in. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know why the 49ers radio guy would be there. <laughs> it's in Denver. But. So uh, he gives that sideline report. He blows up on Twitter. He's being cool about it at first. He sends out a picture, tweets out a picture of him Googling how to deal with sudden fame. Okay, that's you know, funny. He's being sure. funny about it. Then all of a sudden, from his hotel room the next morning, he posts a somber video where he's like, I'm an immigrant in a country full of immigrants. I meant no disrespect. 
Yeah. It's just really weird. It's totally not. Nobody was talking about him being an immigrant. Him being an immigrant. Right. Yeah. They were talking about the deer in the headlights. Sure. Awkward. It's the boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Type he just kid. took yeah. it the wrong. He lost me a bit. But, uh, oh man, was that bad. Any other observations in general from week one? Yeah. The one thing I tweeted out, and we uh, will pretend we didn't talk about this already, but, uh, I thought Kansas City looked really good, and I thought everyone else just looked okay. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it was a sloppy week of football. Yeah, yeah. None of the offenses looked good, and that's always like a preseason thing. Like They always say the defense is a little ahead of the offense in the preseason because the offense is so vanilla, and they're not. it's a little more timing and less just reacting and being athletic. But, uh, yeah, I was really unimpressed with most teams. I floated out my thought that, you can tell teams do not give their starters many reps in the preseason, right? Whether it be games or even practices. You know, five years ago, everyone played three quarters in the third preseason game. Uh, the rules about practicing and things like that in the preseason were less restrictive. There was right. two a days. Uh, all the things that they've done, I think, are just creating a sloppier week. My guess is the quality of play this week will be much better. Yeah, I think so too. And I and I think preseason sucks. So I'm not an advocate for like bringing back two a days and having starters play more in preseason. But unfortunately, it's not it hasn't helped people not get injured. I, I mean, was, how many oh, injuries no. were there? I mean, oh, well, soft tissue injuries, I think. A lot in the preseason and then right in week 1, we already are dealing with a bunch of injuries, so it's just a tough sport. I, I don't know what to do about the preseason problem. Uh, just a, yeah, like you said, it's a brutal game. Yep. Uh, the Jaguars were impressive. I didn't think there was any way the te- uh, the Texans could lose the Houston game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And they did. I was shocked. The Jaguars' defense looks really good, and it looks like they have the right idea. Four net left, four net right, four net middle. Yeah. You know, play defense. Uh, the Raiders, I thought that's a really good win on the road uh, against the Titans. Yep. Who I, were a disapp- I put them in the disappointing column. Sure. Uh, the Falcons look like a team primed for a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, they could have easily lost to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Howard dropped a third down and goal that he might have got in. Chicago should be lost. really bad, too. I mean, and Chicago should be pretty yeah. bad. Uh, I'd be surprised if Atlanta wins 10 games. I'm biased, I know. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati looked like the Marvin Lewis era is all but dead. Dalton looks inept. Which makes my picks... Look ugly. Oh man, we'll get to your picks. I <laughs> I don't remember. I just kind of saved them for today. Okay. I I briefly glanced. Um, Eagles Redskins. I, I don't know if I learned anything there. Uh, the Colts might be the worst team in the league, as long as Andrew Luck's not on the field. Yeah, and I, I do a thing through work where we pick games against the spread, and I thought you know Tolzien looked good enough in the preseason. Maybe they and they were getting like six points. That was ugly. That was really bad. And they gave up forty six. Um, they were like that without Peyton, too. It's like, how do you get the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league? And I know he's hurt right now. And then as soon as he's gone, you're just nothing. Like, they're terrible. They're terrible team. They might have the worst coaching staff in the league right now. In Indy? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the Panthers didn't look very good. Cam Newton looked really, really poor. Really bad. Really he had a poor. wide-open touchdown. He overthrew by, like, 10 yards. Uh, the Cowboys look like they're going to be good again. Yeah. That's another team that could be bad, too, is the Giants. They looked Eli. So these are guys I thought maybe look washed up. Palmer, yep, washed up. He's just it's that's another team that the era is done. They're not winning with that core. Yeah, they got a good D. It stinks too because they. I mean, if they had a window, it's definitely closing, and right. they may have slammed shut. If Brandon if Marshall, old. he's washed up. Yeah, there's nothing there anymore. 
Um, and I had a third one in mind. What the heck was it? I don't know. Trust me, I had a third one. In mind. <laughs> Quarterback again? Oh, d- uh, well, I don't want to say washed up for Dalton. I think the combination of Dalton and Marvin Lewis is just, it's done. Um, I think, man, if Joe Mixon doesn't start getting carries there soon, I don't know what they're doing. Joe Mixon and Bernard should be all over every play. Yeah. Yeah. Why they're ever giving a ball to fat, slow, Jeremy Hill, ineffective Jeremy Hill is beyond me. <laughs> it's like, I like LSU. Stafford looked really good. Yep. Another but, game they had to come back in, though. Yeah, 20 points in the fourth. <coughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It kind of is what they do, though, right? Yeah, it's weird. Um, Steelers weren't very impressive. You could tell that. The D looked good, I guess. You could tell Le'Veon Bell missed a preseason. I know this from listening to like the Field Yates podcast, the Fantasy 069, whatever they call it. Uh, the Ben Roethlisberger road home split yeah, is a nuts, real right? thing. It's yeah. really strange. And... Uh, I wouldn't know that if I didn't listen to that show, but and I know some people overrate like fantasy production versus real life production, but it's a thing. I don't understand it, but it's a thing. Um. All right. Uh, moving on. I wanted to go over a couple things really quick. Uh, Major League Baseball is an insane league. Um, the Dodgers spent all summer uh, dominating everyone, yeah. and suddenly they can't win a game. Yeah, they hit me excited about like win percentages and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're ninety, and... but yet they're still ninety four and fifty. Well, sure. Yeah. So, but there was like an eighteen day day stretch where they either lost a game, a half a game, or stayed the same in the standings. They did not gain a half a game in the standings for almost a month. <laughs> okay. And the Diamondbacks cut the lead all the way to ten. So I think they're still okay, but they got to be nervous. Yeah, you got to watch. They f- you they're this turn team. it around a little bit. They're this team. Can they turn the switch back on? Right? They're that. That's the story with them. Yeah, you usually see that in like hockey with like uh, I don't know like the Indians the or somebody. and their plus two hundred and twenty-two run differential uh, have won twenty-one games in a row. They'll go for twenty-two tomorrow. Uh, the next highest run differential in Major League Baseball. Is 171. So they have 50 runs higher than anyone in run differential in Major League Baseball. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. I mean, they were probably the best team in the league last year, right? I mean, they didn't win at all, but... They were one inning away. Yeah. Seventh inning of the World Series. Um, So right now we got Red Sox and the Astros playing in the DL with the Indians playing the winner of Yankees and... Twins. That's the AL playoffs. In the NL playoffs, we have Dodgers have a 20 game lead. <laughs> I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. Right. Uh, they will play. Not Washington. Cubs. Cubs, yeah. And Cubs in Washington would play in round one, and Dodgers would play the winner of Arizona, Colorado. Right. So that's where Major League playoff, Baseball playoffs stand. And then the last thing I want to mention real quick, we'll call it number three. Uh, is the U.S. Open um, finished? Nadal won another of his many, many majors, and uh, the U.S. girl Sloane uh, won here first. Uh, so a really, uh, really interesting tournament there. Is it my age? Uh, maybe sp- 
I was more into Sports Center or something when I was younger. But why doesn't Nadal Federer seem like it carries the same weight as like Agassi? Because there's a Sampras? third guy. Okay, who am I forgetting about? Djokovic. Okay, so I think all of the rivalries have been hurt a little bit by the idea that okay, because what's happened is like for a while Djokovic had Federer's number, but Federer had. Like Nadal's number, but Nadal had Jokovic's number. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. Okay, so that's fair. I think that's probably why you don't hear about any of the individual rivalries as much. Uh, but I've never been a tennis guy, but I remember growing up, Sports Center was always Sampras Agassi, and I was always kind of an Agassi guy because Sampras always beat him. It felt like it's interesting that the men, the U.S. men, can't seem to win a match, but the U.S. women, all four of the final four, were women. Oh, wow. So it was Keys and Stevens in the finals, and Stevens won 6-3-6-0. So I wanted to mention that. I tried to get Mr. Wertheim uh, on today so we could rap with him about it, but he was going on vacation to San Francisco. Uh, so we'll get him when he comes back. Sure. All right. Uh, with that said, we'll take a break and come back with the debut of Field Yates. <laughs> All right, our next guest is from Wesleyan College. He also graduated from Belmont Hill. He grew up in Weston, Mass. Uh, he spent four years with the Patriots on internship before working for two years with the Chiefs. He then discovered real estate, quickly bounced out. Uh, today he works for ESPN where he breaks news, analyzes the NFL, and hosts the Fantasy Football Focus podcast with Matthew Berry. He's making his first appearance on the show today. Warren, welcome to Field Yates. What's going on, Field? Thank you so much. That was impressive research on your side there. Uh, sometimes I forget what my past in the past included, so uh, a good refresher. <laughs> Tell me about your uh, house selling days. Say that one more time. Tell me about your days in, in real estate. Did you ever just you, you sell a huge one? I mean, what was it like? Uh, open houses? Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> uh, brief and inglorious. <laughs> you know, when I left football, I had this. Uh, mentality when I was considering what I would do next, because candidly, I had no idea. And my thought was, you can go about your list in two ways. You can make a list of jobs that include as many pros, or you can think of jobs that include as few cons. And at the time, I thought to myself, you know something, I want to find a job that allows me to have a flexible lifestyle and, and tap into skills, not bind me to an office from nine to five five every day because I just don't have any sort of fiber and DNA to go into an off to a job like that. And so real estate was the box that checked off the fewest negatives, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I got into real estate, uh, which I think has value because I think one day if I buy or sell a home that I own myself, I will avoid the realtor fees. At least I think I can because I have my license in the state of Massachusetts. We'll see about that, but there's sort of a uh, trickle-down benefit to my experiment in real estate. Um, but what I quickly realized was like sales and being at um, someone else's every beck and call uh, was not necessarily the path that I had anticipated it to be. So I had a pivot back from real estate into sports and kind of got the football itch again. 
not the full-on itch to want to go back into scouting, but the itch enough to at least explore football, which eventually led me to where I am at ESPN, so I don't have any complaints. Was there a specific thing that happened or a moment that you said, all right, I'm going to start? I think your first step was the blog, right? The Thoughts from the Field? Uh, yeah. Blog, was yeah, there... you know, I was... Go ahead, yeah. I was say I remember being on Nantucket, where my mom has a home that we go to during the summer, and I just remember being there sitting, and, you know, Nantucket's like the one place in the world where, you know, technology can sort of shut off now, you know, like you can go there and not bother looking at your phone for about a full day, not spend too much time on Twitter, uh, you know, not get caught up in the universe that we basically live and breathe every other day of the year. And yet there I was, and I was, you know, like pounding my, my keyboard for you know a couple hours one day because I thought like, hey, why don't I just try something? I'd heard about Tumblr and how it was very user-friendly and how it was a good way to get up to speed of blogging. And I found myself you know, really enjoying divulging football thoughts and putting the ideas I had in my mind uh, into print. And, you know, I probably had an audience of about six people, you know, my parents, my <laughs> siblings, maybe a couple of neighbors. Uh, but it felt gratifying in a way that I was not feeling from real estate. And so it gave me a bit of optimism that maybe I should go ahead and push through with this sports media career, even if it was going to lead me down, you know, an endless path, um, or even if it led me on a dead end, uh, it would be worth it. Uh, I figured I would have more regrets about not trying it ever versus trying it and not finding my footing within the sports broadcasting world. I was watching this, uh, this speech, I guess that you, if that's what you call it, uh, this talk that you're having with students at Belmont Hill. Uh, and you were talking about relationships and how important you thought they were. And I thought that was pretty interesting because when I think about consuming Field Yates, I, I, I find it in two separate categories, kind of this uh, guy that hosts with Matthew Barry the podcast and uh, kind of the fun nature of it and the lightheartedness of it and your opinions on fantasy football. And then there's this other side of you where I go to Twitter and – get to find all these interesting facts about contracts and it's a, it's like the insider side of, of field yates and i wonder if it's your your ability to recognize how important relationships are that have made you such an effective quote-unquote insider when we talk about that part of your espn uh persona if i'm using the right words maybe persona is a stretch but you know what i'm saying yeah, no, I understand. So what I would say is this is, first of all, like I believe relationships are sort of the foundation of happiness and just like, you know, a lot of our life, right? Like I, like people always uh, ask me about, and I think this is a natural thing that comes up in any conversation, but when I sort of circle back on my path, specific to my education, uh, Wesleyan and Belmont Hill, as you mentioned at the top of the show, um, you know, am I naive to think that I could not have gone to other places and been well-educated or enjoyed my experience or learned a lot? No, I'm not that naive. But what I will say is that uh, whatever decisions I made uh, during my college and high school career, like the greatest thing that came of it uh, was lifelong friendships uh, and people that, uh, you know, I would say, you know, sort of the foundation of, of a friendship or a relationship period is probably, I guess it's two things. It's loyalty and it's trust. And so uh, when you sort of circle back to what uh, you were asking about how that maybe impacts uh, what I do at ESPN, like 
I, I, I would try to say that I pride myself on being someone that others uh, feel comfortable engaging with and know that, um, you know, like I have, um, I guess I hope my personality has layers to it, um, that we don't always have to be, for lack of a better term, corporate with everything. We can also be fun and funny and insightful, which is where I think the podcast really has allowed me to explore and develop my personality a little bit more, um, you know, in two ways. One, because a podcast is, you know, more free form and you have an opportunity to kind of empty out the notebook of all your thoughts and you can ask 30-minute episodes, you can have an hour-long episode, uh, or anything in between. Uh, and two, because of the people that I do it with, you know, and specifically working with Matthew uh, and Stefania and Daniel and our entire crew, is it's a podcast that people sort of equate to like they are on, uh, you know, at the, like almost like they're at the bar for an hour every day when they listen to that podcast. It's not just, hey, here's why we have, you know, Brady ranked third in quarterbacks this week and why we have, you know, Larry Fitzgerald 13th. It's the fun stories. It's the behind the scenes. It's taking our lives and making it personal and allowing people and see uh, sort of what goes on when we're not just talking about football ad nauseum. You were talking earlier, or maybe it was in the in the speech. You had mentioned that you know real estate wasn't for you, or, or you know it didn't kind of spark you in a certain way. And I wonder about when you think about all the, the different things you do now. Is there something that gives you a rush more than others? Is it sitting behind the mic and hosting? Is it when you send out a tweet uh, breaking a story about a contract or about a roster move? Like, what's I'm sure like with any job, part of it, sometimes you do it because it's part of the job, and other parts you do because it really makes you happy and really fulfills a passion in you. When you think about all the different things you do at ESPN, how do you compartmentalize them and like what are the things that when you get out of bed in the morning you're most excited to do in terms of uh the job well i'd, I'd say this you know we're in the thick of obviously the, you know where they actually the, the beginning portion of the nfl season and the podcast is an opportunity that for me is so different from anything else that i do uh because it's a chance for you know like i people that listen to the podcast know more about me than likely anybody else uh, that I do, that they follow, you know, if someone only knows me from television, they may not know as much about me as they know they do if they listen to our podcast daily. So in some ways, you know, that's a, a truly unique experience. Um, at the same time, uh, like I would be naive, I would be lying to you if I said that, hey, like there's not a, like there is a, a great rush when you have a story that you've either already pushed out or that you are waiting to push out. Uh, it's 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 a bit of an adrenaline kick. It sure is, and something to look forward to. You know, you, you work hard to, um, to 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 discover stories, um, and you want to put them out there. So I think that in different ways, each of these sort of things that I do um, fills a, a an emotional, honestly, void, an emotional sort of pocket uh, that to me. Um, you know, is is sort of the beauty of my job is being able to enjoy it uh, in doing so many different things. When Nate left the podcast and you found out that there was an opportunity, maybe I think when Nate left initially over the summer, you had done maybe a few pods kind of filling in and then the role kind of expanded to you doing it full time. And I wonder when you kind of first got into it, did you expect to be for it to be a spot where you would be as personal as you are, where you're talking about your relationships and, um, 
your personal life and kind of mixing that with football and having fun that way? Like, did you expect that? And did you expect that when you did it, did you understand the scope of maybe how big it was and how many people you'd actually be letting into that world? Yeah, I'm not sure I totally grasped just how far the reach of that podcast is. And it's part of why I'm so grateful to be a part of it is it's such a community and it's a ever-growing and endlessly devoted community. You know, I have people that will come up like, a, and I'm not, you know, we, we, went, we did our show at Boston uh, live podcast a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, many people that listen to the podcast are, uh, you know, understand and know of my relationship with my girlfriend. And we had also, you know, mentioned on the show that uh, recently that I, we had moved in together and we get to Boston and we show up, or I still up with nothing in my hands except for my cell phone and my wallet. And I leave with like a basket of gifts from our viewers who were kind enough, yeah, who were kind enough to drop off. You know, it's like it's like a housewarming party without the actual housewarming party. <laughs> and you're sort of thinking to yourself, like, what did I do to deserve this? And the answer is, you know, probably nothing. But what they what they tell you is like, listen, uh, listeners say we uh, you give us something, which you know, it's my job, so it doesn't necessarily feel like we give them something. But they listen, they say you give us an hour each day that allows us to. Uh, get away from our normal, whatever it is that they do. Whether they enjoy their job or not, it's a one-hour release. It is really hard, hard to replicate and part of, and a part of the reason why, you know, that experience, the podcast experience, unlike anything else that I do, and I think always will be, it just is a truly unique cross-section of listeners. And, you know, I think it's a testament to the work that Matthew has put in for 10 years and Stefania has put in for 10 years and Nate did for so long and all those that are involved with the show um, you know, there's so much that goes on and uh, that goes into the podcast that when we leave, it, it, you know, it, it, I, I don't know what the normal course of action is for most podcasts, but when we leave, there's something every single day. I'm sure that Matthew kind of bears the brunt of most of this, but there is another side to that, right? And that's that there's this group of people that aren't afraid to tell you when the advice you gave them ruined their lives and how unappreciative they are of it, right? Like the first night, Kareem Hunt kind of blows up a little bit and every fantasy analyst that dared to say to temper expectations of a guy, uh, a running back against the Patriots in New England uh, is, you know, enemy number one for that night. So there is that other side of it, right? There is. And here's what I, but I you know, people... Um, you know, I don't, I don't do this as much anymore, um, but I uh, used to have a lot of fun with, um, <laughs> with people uh, that would send me, you know, unkind or, you know, borderline vulgar tweets, and I would compile them, and I'd put them on my Facebook page, with, and friends would enjoy them. Um, and I stopped doing that to a degree, but uh, part of the reason why I did that is so that people know that I'm okay um, you know, cause I, people have asked is, you know, how do you handle someone that you have no idea they are, who's never spoken a word to you tweeting at you, like F you field, you piece of, you know what? I can't believe you told me to start Aaron Rodgers over Jay Cutler this week. You know, it's, um, you know, how, how dare I be so bold? So as to suggest to start one of the greatest players in league history over Jay Cutler. Um, but you know something like it's, it's first of all, 
that's that's people. It's a small, small section of the social media world. And second of all, the reality of fantasy football. And I am not trying to take anybody who covers fantasy football off the hook. But the reality of our job in covering fantasy football is that it's a projection game. We have no control over what happens. I always say there are 22 elements that contribute to every single play. There are 22 players on the field. So if you think that I can tell you specifically what's going to happen with Ben Roethlisberger every single snap on Sunday when they play the Minnesota Vikings, you're out of your mind. And you know you could take perhaps the you know you could tell Bill Belichick that he is going to be the uh, you know the new ESPN fantasy football commissioner. Uh, or fantasy football analyst. And for my money, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. He's the smartest football mind of all time. And he is just incredible. I, I could go on all day talking about Bill Belichick's brilliance. But I can guarantee you that he would never feel as though he could size everything up and have these fantasy football projections that are ironclad and 100% foolproof. Like it's That's part of the reality of going into fantasy football, is understanding that you're going to win some, Hopefully you win more than others, but you're also going to lose some. And, you know, if you can find somebody that covers fantasy football uh, that, that had Alex Smith and Sam Bradford in their top three quarterbacks for week one, you know, I'd love to meet them, cheers them, and, and pick their brain on how they do it. Uh, you, there wasn't anybody that had, you know, Le'Veon Bell with 32 rushing yards in their outlook for week one. So you sort of just take the good with the bad. I'm not saying it's bad, or I guess take the bad with the good. And not to say that's necessarily a bad thing, uh, but you have to, you know, it's sort of like the cost of doing business. I'm curious a little bit about Matthew uh, in the sense of your relationship. I, he's a very, he's a very uh, huge personality. So I wonder what you learned or what you think maybe you already possessed that has contributed most to the really great chemistry you guys have developed? Well, I would start here and say that it's unparalleled. And what I mean specifically is when, you know, the red light goes on or, you know, the record button goes on in our podcast or on television, Matthew is, has this energy that's incomparable. And I tip my hat to him. He has, Matthew is fantasy football. I mean, this industry uh, is popular. It's incredibly popular. But I guarantee it wouldn't be where it is today without Matthew and what he has done for fantasy football. And uh, it, it is such a. It has now gotten to the point where, where it's incredibly saturated. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I have, you know, I've, I have been requested or I've been on podcasts for fantasy football websites or companies or Twitter handles or you name it that. You know, they understand their audience is like, you know, 50 people, but they're okay with it. And the reason, so what I'm saying is a lot of people are covering fantasy football. And yet Matthew still has a way of doing it that is different than everybody else. And he's probably the most mimicked person in fantasy football, right? I mean, like, so many of the concepts that he championed are basically just ripped or emulated by others. And, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery, so it comes from a good spot. But Matthew continues to churn content out in a way that is different from anybody else. And so, you know, uh, whether I do it in the moment or whether when it's, uh, you know, in moments uh, when I step back from it all, I'm perpetually impressed and amazed by how he does it. And I think that's something that 
I hope people appreciate that is what I would say. I hope people do not take for granted just how much work goes into what he does uh, throughout the year, but really, you know, and, but, and especially from, you know, basically August 1st until the end of the fantasy football season. You know, I've been listening to the to the Fantasy Focus podcast since the way you listened to it was you went to ESPN.com and, like, played it from the player on the webpage. Uh, and what I think, what's always kind of amazed me about Matthew is the way that whether he's in his world uh, where he kind of controls all the variables or you take him out and put him in the studio at the Howard Stern show uh, or with the pardon the take guys. I don't listen to a lot of that, but my younger brothers really like it. Um, Whatever kind of environment he's really good at kind of fitting in, but still being himself and kind of maintaining what's great about him. I mean, I can't think of a room, especially if you're going in there to talk about fantasy football, that's more difficult than the Howard Stern show. But I think he's been on three times where he's been in studio. And I thought all three times he did really great. And that, I just don't think that's easy, and that's maybe kind of an underrated part of him, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, you know, he can be as, like, quintessential Matthew Barry. Like, if anybody could just do what they do, um, then, like, and, and still do it really well, it will be him. It'd still be, like, really popular. And yet, he's a chameleon. Like, he, he can see can for game you need him to play you know like when you listen to the podcast i'm sure someone like yourself does notice this but like the analysis can be as you know as statistically driven as hey sam bradford has you know 74.2 percent completion percentage on throws 10 yards or less down the field or it can be like you know something i just don't know like i'm not buying the idea that this team's going to go on the road on monday night and put up a bunch of points do you know what i mean like it can be as anecdotal or statistical or anything in between, and so I'm always uh, amused and amazed by how he's able to do it. The sportscasters are here with Field Yates from the Fantasy Focus Podcast and ESPN. You can also find him on Twitter at Field Yates, and he's nice enough to give us a few minutes in the first week after the first week of the playing season uh, of the NFL. Uh, so just a couple more things. Let me ask you about the game, fantasy football, real quick. The game itself. Um, ESPN went made some huge changes this year, right? With PPR being standard for them now. Uh, and also the, um, the decimal scoring, I guess was a big change as someone who works in fantasy football. Um, when you project out, when you look outward, like how do you see the game evolving in the next year or two or three? Here's what I would say is that, um, part of what makes fantasy football great is that you can do a lot of the same things, and still have like major major interest and maybe fantasy football is particularly built to last because you only play 17 weeks so you don't necessarily at most by the way obviously some leagues just have their championship game uh their week 15 or week 16 um um, like those are changes that are sort of considered major but they don't really alter the integrity of the game at all but where I think it is changing is, like, there's certainly an appetite for this daily fantasy content. Um, and people love uh, that, um, you know, like, you're not bound to anything, right? Like, you are uh, basically, you know, if, you, if things don't go well week one, you have to scratch it and you know, start again week two. 
Uh, whereas in you know season long fantasy, you know I was I was texting with a friend of mine in the oldest league that I play in, and I'm looking at this trade he just executed, and it's keeper auction league, and I'm thinking to myself like, you know, that's all you can get for the player you just traded, and he's like, well, you know, you got to understand, like I'm building for the future, and but like you know he's already willing to cut bait on players after on his season after one week after one week. Um, so I think daily fantasy is going to continue to grow. And then, uh, you know, like I think it's just going to be, a, it's like little, it's little things here on, uh, you know, along the way. Like, for example, um, you know, does, uh, do we eventually get to the point where let's just say, uh, Brandon Cooks draws two flags for 37 yards on, uh, you know, pass interference calls. Do yeah. we get to the point where we can actually, you know, calibrate that? So I think it'll be more nuanced adjustments as opposed to wholesale adjustments. It'll be what you notice for them uh, for fantasy football over the next couple of years. How many leagues do you play in, like personal leagues? Uh, five right now this year, and I kind of made an effort to uh, trim things back a little bit this year, uh, only because it's a little bit uh, five plus uh, like a variety of other things like you know daily fantasy or eliminator challenges, right. or, you know picking games, etc. cetera. Um, but five traditional season-long leagues, and I cut back a little bit this year. Uh, only because I was finding, like, the, you know, Monday night I'm sitting there rooting for Eli Manning to have 18 points but not 20 points, you know. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like, all right, Larry Fitzgerald, like, it's awesome that you score. And then I'm like, oh, man, I'm playing against Fitzgerald, aren't I? Dang, you know, so yeah. you know how it goes. I've been there. I've been there. Well, you're, you're trying to figure out, like, all right, I need to get these – 30 points from Breeze tonight, but how can those 30 points be distributed? It can't be more than nine to Fleener. I'm, I'm screwed. Uh, what was I going to ask you? What's your favorite format? Like, what's your favorite way to play? Um, I would say that I, I probably, listen, I probably find myself, I play the most in PPR leagues. That's mm. probably my favorite. Just, just a standard PPR league, two wide receiver, two running back, plus a flex. Um, I would do without kickers if I could. Um, but other than that, like, that's probably the most, just, you know, there are other leagues that I play in. Like I, I enjoy, you know, I play in an IDP league where you start 25 guys per week, Whew. which is a lot of fun. It also like, it's, there are times where you're sitting there and you're, you're like, you know, I'm agonizing over Malik Jackson and Snacks Harrison. Like I'm like, <laughs> uh, which defensive tackle do I want more? You know? And it's like, yeah, uh, never mind. I, uh, you know, I probably should just, uh, leave it be, you know? Um, but uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of agony involved, but, uh, yeah, it's a, um, there, there's no format that I dislike. I'll put it that way. Now I'm actually in four leagues this year and none of them have kickers. None of the four. So that's smart. See, I like that. And again, that's, I don't have you know great reverence for what kickers bring to the table, but I mean, like it's so unpre- you know, I love that. Those are the, some of the tweets that I love where it's like, Dude, you only have Matt Prater eighth in your kicker rankings. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my bad, sorry. You know, like, but l- let me go back and readjust it so I have him in you know the top six for sure. It's so ridiculous, but in a, but in a good way, ridiculous in a good way. All right, well, Field Yates again is on Twitter at Field Yates. The Fantasy Focus Podcast Football Edition uh, is available on Apple Podcasts wherever you get podcasts. Just look at the charts, and they're like number one or two. Uh, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, also, uh, nice thing this year. Yeah, iTunes or the ESPN app. Those are the best ways. Yeah, yeah. and it goes up earlier this year, which is nice. Um, which has been really nice. Uh, you get to listen to it a little That's bit. For my, besides for my sleep schedule, it's good. <laughs> uh, let's get you out of here on this. I know you're into contracts. Uh, 
Um, and I'm a big yes. I'm a big Saints fan. It's my thirtieth. It was a disappointing start to my thirtieth season as a Saints fan. Um, Ooh, man. Yes. There's nothing, really nothing good about it. Uh, it was a bad, it was a bad night. Um, but I want to know about Breeze real quick. Uh, this contract's going to void after this year, uh, and essentially he's going to be a free agent. Um, do you know anything about his contract that was going to make it more or less complicated for him to sign with the Saints in the off season? Is there anything about his or any of the other players' contracts? And what are your kind of thoughts? About him and his projection as this year voids uh, the contract. The last two years, the contract voids after this year. I love Drew Brees. I think he's an incredible player. So uh, suggesting him playing elsewhere is not because of you know some perceived uh, regression or anything like that. Uh, we do know that he cannot be franchise tagged after this year. Now, even if he c- could, his cap hit would be I think north of forty million dollars. So that would have been. Very difficult for any team, no matter how healthy of a cap you're balancing right now, to put up with. I want to say the cap is, you know, I think that would be like around a quarter of the cap. So as brilliant as he is, it's difficult to have a quarter of your cap potentially tied up in one player when you have to account for 53. Um, The Saints have certainly been unafraid to engage in what we all call sort of kicking the can. Um, The, you know, pay a guy, you know, defer a guy's payments later by twisting some things around now uh um it's readjusting contracts it's not forcing players to take pay cuts it's just moving money around so they get paid sooner and then they have to make them it, it can mitigate cap uh right like space, tur- turning can, money into bonuses can increase cap i should say so um i exactly so if you convert a player's base let's say you do it for a bucks and he's got let's say a million of his salary turned into a signing bonus and he's got five years left on his contract. That will instead count over each of the five years evenly. So in theory, you just went from $1 million of cap space tied to that base salary to 200000 So you can create $800,000 of the cap space right there, which the Saints have done frequently. Yep. Hey, let's you know keep picking the can so that we can pay guys now. Um, I think the Saints need to kind of like clear the books here, they, and not with Drew Brees specifically, but they need to kind of balance this book. Because eventually, if you want to build sustained success in the NFL, you need to have a healthy cap. But I know people say, well, you can keep twisting the cap. That's correct. But I'm just telling you, if you want to be what I think the Patriots are right now and what I think other teams are aspiring to be, you have to find a way to manage a healthy cap. And frankly, the Saints have not particularly been effective in that regard. So could Drew Brees uh, play elsewhere next year? I think it's at least possible. Am I counting on it? No. But... um, more so than a typical franchise quarterback being less than one year away from free agency, I think it's at least in the realm of possibilities of happening of him not being with New Orleans next year. Yeah, I've always sort of like thought of it like manana economics with this team. Like, let's do everything we can to be as good as we can while Breeze is here, and we'll worry about everything else after. So I've always supported that. I think their biggest problem is just. Yep. But it's been the it's been the swings and the misses, right? The Jarris Bird, the Junior Gallette. It's like I haven't been as upset about them being creative as I have about them, you know, just paying the wrong guys. I think to a large extent, um, I think has hurt them the most. It, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that, and I'll, I apologize for the ramble if, if it happens here. But um, you know, one of the things that I hear all the time from people is, you know, like 
there are a lot of people that are on board with how the Browns are going about their business right now. And that is, you know, assets and have tons and tons of cash space, which I agree with. Um, I don't doubt the premise. I don't, I'm not misunderstood by what they're doing. I just would say that their plan needs to be executed by paying guys, paying guys the right amount, and paying the right guys, and drafting the right players. So you're right that the Saints, you know, like you might have less of an issue with their cap management than I do, but it's indisputable that they have, you know, paid guys they probably should not have paid as much money to. And you mentioned the notable names, Jairus Bird, for example, and. You know, uh, we'll see if others that they have recently signed uh, will prove to be worth their money. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe Adrian Peterson is the latest example of that. Even though it wasn't a huge contract, still, uh, I think after one game and nine snaps, people are already wondering. Yeah, I mean, Junior Gallette, I think, would probably be the worst for me. Just because, like, as soon as he signed that contract, the video comes up, which may or may not have been him with the girl on the beach. I don't even know. It's just a nightmare from the start. Bird never lived up to it. It's like exactly what you said about the Browns is right. It's like eventually you got to spend that money on someone and you better be right because, yeah. Uh, Listen, we're a bit over what I asked for, so I want to let you go. Uh, Before I do, though, is there anything else you wanted to plug? I know we laid some of it out. Anything else you want to mention? Hey, listen, I would just, I appreciate you having me on. I really do enjoy it. And I'm glad we had the chance to talk about a lot of the things that are going on at ESPN right now. So, uh, you know, I, I push all my content out through Twitter, so if people are inclined to find more of it, that's the best medium to get it. And, and uh, I really, again, I said I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to chat. All right, so I want to thank Field Yates for being on the show. That was really fun. I know he'll be back, and I'm excited for it. Quick update on Stingray Afternoons. I mentioned either last podcast or the podcast before that I was a little bit worried that Steve Russian had gone MIA on us. Yeah. Uh, Well, he didn't. He emailed me. He said his wife is Rebecca Lobo, and she went into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah, okay. I knew I knew the name. So I guess he was busy with whatever comes with your wife going to the Hall of Fame. Sure, yeah. So he got back to me. He said he's ready to come on anytime. So Awesome. Maybe next week. All right. You want to give your picks? Yeah, I gave mine on the last show. Yeah, and I texted mine to you too late. Um, Like I said, I did pick them after the Thursday game, so any Chiefs love may be a little overrated, but I did them before Sunday, which you'll tell from all the stupid Bengals love. All right, let's go with AFC division and playoff first. All right, I got the Patriots, Chiefs, Bengals, and Titans, and then I have the Chargers and Raiders in the wild card spots. three teams from the West? Yeah, that part's tough. uh, Who did I have there? Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. I just thought the toughest division always to me is the Bengals. Uh, who is that? Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh being out is probably your biggest. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that would be the one people would. And my thought was the Bengals are healthy and they have a new running back. And, like, that all looked like a crap call after They better one let week. him run. Yeah. All right, NFC, I've got the Cowboys, Seahawks, Packers, and Falcons. The Falcons don't look great after that first week either. Um, and then the Giants and Cardinals. And the Giants, oh, boy, I didn't realize how bad that looks all, already. I think the Cardinals is the one I'd be worried about. Yeah. The, the Giants maybe just lost to the best team they'll play. Maybe. You know, you could argue that the Cowboys will be the best team the Giants play. And it was in Dallas on opening night. Sure. And then uh, my Super Bowl pick, and this is probably trying to be a little bit different. I think I always end up with, like, Patriots-Packers. I went Packers over the Bengals. 
Again, that's looking really bad. It's going to need a rally. Yeah. Um, my MVP of the league is Rodgers. Offensive MVP. I don't know how often it's a wide receiver, but I said if it's... If I the thought Bengals, that was a cool pick. If the Bengals are going to yeah. be this good, it's going to be because of A.J. Green. My defensive uh, player of the year, which also didn't look good after one week, uh, he got smoked by a quarterback like in two straight plays, is uh, Joey Bosa. My offensive rookie of the year is Hunt. Uh, again, that's after the Thursday game. My defensive rookie of the year, I don't even know who he is. I just liked the team, and I figured, uh, what team is he on? Uh, I had Buda Baker. Why can't I think of what team he's on? I'll look it up. You go ahead. Okay, and my comeback player of the year is Watt, which I'm sure everyone's going to pick. And my coach is Marvin Lewis. Ugh. Baker's a safety for the Cardinals. Okay. I remember him from that the That doesn't draft. look great either. I was thinking, you know, the Cardinals do end up making the playoffs. It's going to be largely on their defense, and he's yeah. – I think I the safety picked, on the Cardinals is probably a sweet position to be. You're playing behind some great corners. I picked Lattimore, and like that might be a little bit of a homer pick. But the problem I noticed with it is going to be that they're just never going to throw to that side, unless the second DB of the Saints can be worth yeah. an ounce of shit. Like they just never even whoever Lattimore was on, they just let him guard him and just threw the other. The one side. thing I didn't do is maybe I should have is looked back at the history of these like. How often is the MVP a quarterback versus almost always? Almost always, and then yeah. how much is the offensive MVP also a quarterback? Is almost that, always right? With running so, back probably second. Yeah, so I, I probably should have looked into that. And how often is a corner maybe the defensive player of the year? Is that usually a sacker? Yeah, sackers yeah. get it the most. Yep. But Marcus Peters just won it. Okay, you know. So, but yeah, so those look ugly after one week. So we'll see. I I think Cincinnati's better than they looked in that game, but uh, probably not Super Bowl better. Uh, I wish I could give mine but they're on tape you got these here oh is that them yeah this was them so this is what i said i said patriots steelers titans raiders but chiefs and ravens titans might have to look a little better yes and your ravens pick looks better than whatever my other wild card pick was then i had giants packers saints and seahawks saints have to be a lot better and then i had the bucks and the redskins uh bucks might be a good team i left out redskins maybe didn't look that good either right and then i had the steelers over the redskins well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, That's fun. No, after one week, a lot of stuff changes. I picked Breeze's Offensive Player of the Year. I think Rodgers is MVP. Um, Mack is Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. Fournette and Lattimore were my rookies. And then I don't have in front of me who I picked. I know I picked Watt for Comeback Player of the Year. Sure, yeah. And what was the other one? Um, did you give a defensive rookie of the year? You said Lattimore. Yeah, Lattimore. That might have been it. That might be everything. Okay. So those are my picks. They're out there on tape. Coach, too. maybe if you want. Oh, coach. I picked uh, probably the Washington coach. No, the uh, Steelers coach. Oh, okay. Um, Tomlin. Yep. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Jimmy Traina. All right, our next guest is New York all the way. He's back with Sports Illustrated and is the host of the Off the Board podcast. A warm sportscasters welcome to Jimmy Trainer. What's up, Jimmy? Not too much. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Not bad on a Wednesday evening here in Buffalo, New York. We're having a nice, uh, nice little fall. Nice little fall here. 
Football is always great in life. In my favorite season. Did you enjoy having football back on Sunday? Loved having football back. It was really nice because I feel like the first, you know, one, two, three weeks of the season, still pretty hot, uh, you know, in New York, at least on Long Island where I live and in the city. And, you know, I hate that I hate that first Sunday if it's like 85 and sunny out and I'm in watching football all day. But we actually had some, like, nice, cool fall weather over the weekend, so it was perfect for football. The games are terrible, but it was still great to have the NFL back. Yeah, really sloppy play. I think I noticed more than than I had in the past about how sloppy week one was. I mean, just like I'm a big Saints fan, like watch rewatching the game, trying to figure out what went wrong. And I was thinking about it, I was like, that's a pretty typical Saints game, except for they went to the red yeah. zone five times and didn't score any touchdowns. Right? I right. mean, yeah. if I'm looking for anything positive, it's like they had the ball eight times. They're in the red zone five of them. They score a couple touchdowns. Right. That's a game, you know? So No, you, you hit the nail on the head. The typical Saints game. Move the ball up and down the field and play no defense. Right. I mean, that. And they, they got at least one red zone stop. It's like, you know, when you're just asking for the defense to do a little bit, but. If the offense right. uh, can't score touchdowns, they're just never going to win. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, it just seems sloppy in general, whether it's the Saints' red zone, uh, the Patriots were sloppy. Uh, just, I think Kasim was just terrible quarterback play from the league. It's got to be because these guys just don't get any reps anymore, right? Because everyone's so afraid of getting hurt. They don't. I don't know. I mean, I just think, I think teams make bizarre decisions. I, mean, I don't know how the Texans play Tom Savage. I don't know how the Colts go the entire preseason, you know, playing this cat and mouse game about Andrew Luck's health, and they're starting Scott Tolzien, who should not be in the NFL. Uh, you know, the Jets are trying to rebuild. They have no chance to win any games this year, and they're starting a 38-year-old quarterback. I don't, I don't understand some of the decisions these teams make. And then on top of that, you know, um, you know, there's some just quarterbacks that you expect to be good. It was, it was, Eli was terrible on Sunday night. You know, Noah Dell Beckham for the Giants. Um, just, you know, bad, bad points, decent quarterbacks, as well as a slew of quarterbacks that have no business being in the league, or at least playing. Kind of almost have to give the Dolphins credit for being aggressive when Tannehill went down and saying, all right, we're not going to do Matt Moore. Let's just give the $10 million to Cutler and let's roll with it. I mean, the only quarterback. Well, but he he was a good fit. He was a good fit. It was someone they could bring in who already knew the playbook, having worked with the coach before, and someone who had success with the coach before. And yeah, and then when they're in a close game late, he'll throw an interception as always. Yeah, yeah, man, maybe he might, but it made a lot of sense, I think, for them. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, they didn't have much choice. They could have sat and, and played Matt Moore, like the Colts just sat and played Tolzien, or right. they, you know, like you said, right. teams that go with Tom Savage, or you know, it seemed like they that Tom Savage had lost that job, but they insisted on roll. It's like it's almost like the Bengals with Mixon. It's like he's clearly their best running back, yet they have to give carries to Jeremy Hill. It's like you don't want a rookie to think he is entitled or something, and it seems like a dated concept right. to me. Yeah, right. I agree. Uh, should we talk about our Twitter fight? We had a Twitter fight. It was fun. Who had a Twitter fight? Me and you had one. You don't remember? Was it that insignificant? Probably because I don't really <laughs> fight with people. Well, I fight. Twitter, so I mean, I'm kind of kidding. Well, about, you'd have to refresh my memory. Kind of kidding about fight. I mean, I'm not saying like we MF'd each other or anything. Right. Uh, we disagreed about, I believe it was Megyn Kelly and her relevance in 2017. Oh, okay. Do you recall now? 
Okay. Yeah, I think... I didn't, didn't we discuss this on your podcast? I thought we discussed this on your podcast. No, I don't think Maybe. You, you've been on since, uh, have you? Okay. I'm getting, yeah, like I said, I, I'm I getting out of my old. way not to fight with people, so... <laughs> yeah, fight was maybe the wrong word. We just disagreed and and, and spoke about it. And um, right, uh, I think the main, the my main point, which I think I was failing to come across on the 140 characters, was just that I thought one of one of my one of the things that I dislike about Trump is that in his era, everything has become so politicized. Uh, things that weren't politicized under other presidents uh, seem to become have become more politicized. And I think in that context, I was talking about a sports media debate between you and Richard was more, Oh, and that's a damn it. I was going to make a joke right away. And I forgot. I was going to ask you what he's, what Richard Deitch is like in real life. That was going (laughs) to be my first thing. And I forgot. See how brutal. I'm so incompetent. I had that lined up. I had that lined up because you were, you were complaining about it on Twitter today. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it, absolutely. That, that, this is the he, let me just say this is the problem. Sort of right off the bat, you know, you said Twitter fight. I didn't think it was a Twitter fight. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, maybe you didn't get your point across in 140. That's why I fight with people because I find it really difficult to have a significant conversation in 140 characters. I'm not good at it, so that's why I try not to get into too much of an in-depth conversation because I know in 140 I'm not going to get my point across and. That tweet about getting asked what Richard's like in real life was not a complaint. I find it humorous and funny and enjoyable. So just right here in this like two-minute span summed up all the problems with Twitter. <laughs> Speaking of that, we had another one today. I was thinking about this before I talked. Don't you think that, like, in general, the sports media is going to have to make a blanket decision on how they're going to deal with their employees and what they tweet or say about presidential politics. I mean, we're not even one year into this. Are we really going to go through this like every single week or month with someone else saying something that some people will interpret as over the line, some people won't, some people find it inflammatory, but you know, and we're going back and forth. I mean, the only thing, the only problem I have, I have never been a fire a person guy. I hate that about our culture now. I don't like going after people's livelihoods for simply things that they say. I have no problem with things right. people say, especially especially I don't like the culture where people hate anything anyone says they disagree with. Um, but are we going to go through this like every time someone says anything? And I, obviously I'm speaking of, of Hillary. I mean, my, my, I mean, if that's your question, I guess my guess would be yes. Uh-huh. We are. Um, Ugh. My suggestion would be to unfollow everyone who, you know. I mean, I think it's a very simple thing. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a rarity. I don't follow people I like, and I don't follow people who do things on Twitter I don't like. So for me, my Twitter experience, in terms of the people I follow, is very enjoyable, and I'm, I don't really get annoyed by anything. Oh, and I think a lot of people. I'm not saying you do this, but like, I actually just went through this with a friend of mine who. Uh, you know, someone in the media was complaining about all these people in sports media, and then I looked at his Twitter page, and he was following like a thousand people. And I said, "Well, there's your problem. Why don't you unfollow these people who are annoying you, and then you won't be annoyed?" I think it, like, to me, it's such a simple solution. But I don't know. That's just me. Okay, maybe again, I, I've been slightly, slightly unclear. I, <laughs> I don't have any problem with 
with uh, her tweets, actually. Um, not that she did them and not the content of them. I, it really doesn't bother me either way. She is entitled to her opinion. My problem is is the fallout every time um, is the same head banging against the wall. Like, right. where if there was just some, some kind of like, like, I just can't imagine a world where for the next three years, every other week, somebody tweets something. And I didn't know about the tweet because I don't follow her. I have no, I had right. no clue. And then right. the next three days, my timeline is filled no matter who I follow uh, with this debate right. on like her job and should she be fired and should she have said that and all this crazy stuff. It's like if ESPN would just put like a blanket policy in place, they wouldn't have to worry about being called out for being hypocrites all the time. That's the only problem I have in all of this is there's just no consistency. Oh, they would still, they, but they would still get, but they would still get called out. I mean, if they did it the same every time not, and created a pattern, you think it would still, they'd still be called out. Yeah. Because what's going on is people are trying to make names for themselves and people are trying to get the attention for themselves by going after ESPN. I mean, it's all a big game at this point. And shockingly, ESPN is involved in this game, which I don't like to me either. I mean, this is what I wrote. Either they should have fired Jamel Hill, which I'm like you. I don't believe in calling for people to be fired. I, I think it's should be like a last resort type of thing. Especially not for words. I'm just, it's not like right. she actually well, did something I mean, to anyone. She just said her opinion. Because you are rep- but you are representing a company there, right. so it does get a little dicey. I get that. I just think, listen, either fire her or don't say anything. Because you're not appeasing anyone with a statement that says we don't support her comments. Because then the people who support her, it looks like you're not backing her. And then the people who have this crazy thing going on with ESPN are not satisfied because they want blood. They want her fired. That's so they can get you know more attention and say, look, we got her fired. So I don't. I couldn't. I don't think ESPN could have handled it worse. Um, right, I think that's really smart. They just they tried to middle right. it. They tried to middle it, and that's just never going to work. It's right. like it's like a rebuild. Exactly, exactly. Right. They tried to play both sides of the fences, the fence, and instead of having one side of the fence pissed off at them, they had both sides of the fence pissed off at them. Well, let's talk about this for a second. Uh, sure. What did you watching football this weekend uh, from a? From a um, observer standpoint, what did you like and not like about the various coverages you've seen over the weekend? Like, did you- um, I love Tony Romo. I love that he was predicting plays before they happened. I loved it, just the way he was enthusiastic about calling the game. I, I, I loved Romo calling the Titans Raiders for CBS. Yeah, he was good. Um, He's got the Saints and Patriots. He was good. Week. Yeah, I did. You know, I flipped on ESPN on the pregame show a little bit. Chris Berman's not there. Tom Jackson's not there anymore. It's a whole new cast. And um, I lasted about three minutes. It wasn't for me. Um, The Monday night game was a debacle. I mean, Rex Ryan. So bad. He had one of the worst analyst performances I've ever heard. All time bad. I mean, couldn't speak. Yes, stuttering and umming and and then just not giving you any analysis whatsoever. I felt so bad um, for Beth. She was so she she couldn't win. She had she had. <laughs> it was like I felt bad for her because yeah, she, she was like, she had her no mic chance. Was really low. Yes, yeah, for some reason it sounded like her mic was really low. Was the whole yeah, the whole broadcast in general felt real low like that, just quiet and almost yes. in the background. Yeah, totally. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there was anything else that stuck out. I mean, um, did you get a chance to check any out? Any you know, of Buck the, and Aikman called. Buck and Aikman, yeah, they were good. They're always the good. What, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, did you? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Did you catch any of like Fox juggled their boosts a little bit? Like, um, my boy Kenny yeah, Al- was, Albert well, is with uh, with Barber now, and and Johnston dropped right, down. I, I feel like both Fox really did because they lost, like you said earlier, Cutler went to the Dolphins, so they lost Cutler, who's supposed to get paired with Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis. I feel like Fox just shuffled guys around. Um, I saw that Chris Spielman was there. That's his first time. I didn't listen much of his game. Um, there was one fight. Spielman was new, and I know they had Charles Davis with Burkhart, um, but I didn't really. Nothing stuck out to me there. I wish. I, sorry, I can't give you some phenomenal answer there, but nothing really from the Fox standpoint that stood a, out. That's something Deitch and I disagree on all the time. He loves Burkhart, and I love him. In studio, I just do not care for his play-by-play much. I I mean, I think he's better in the studio. I think he's as good as it gets in the studio. Yeah, I like him on games. I don't. I like him on games a lot. I just, I do think he's a, a a master in the studio. Yeah. Oh, he's all like top guy in the studio, and I just I haven't yeah. liked his boost. I really don't like Barber much. We'll see this year with his new partner if I uh, grow to like him a little bit more. Trying to think what else right. I caught over the weekend. Oh, I watched uh, all of Oklahoma and Ohio State, and I know it's nothing new. Right. Myers and uh, Herb Street are really, really good. Myers is really, really good. Wait, Myers? Or, um, for, uh, Fowler. I'm sorry, Fowler. Yeah, Chris Fowler. yeah, I'm sorry. Right, right, oh, I, yeah, just, yeah. I just misspoke. Yeah, I meant um, Fowler. Yeah, that's, um, I don't love Fowler. I think he's. I think he's sort of like what you said about Burkhardt. I think Fowler is. Yeah. Okay. I can way see better that. in a studio situation. Um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with Chris Fowler. I mean, he does a good job. It's just I don't get that crazy excitement over the top big game feel from him. I don't know. Just always feels off a little bit. But he's fine. He's good. There's, you know, he's solid. He's not going to do anything crazy and ruin a telecast. That's fair. Let me ask you about the podcast. We're kind of jumping from thing to thing here. Sure. I've enjoyed it. I am a little bit surprised how interview-heavy it is because I know we spoke in the past when you've done shows, and one of your big negatives has always been kind of booking guests. So I'm surprised this time around it is as interview-heavy as it has been. Yeah. You know, I didn't want it to be. I thought I would do a little more. I There's been a lot of behind-the-scenes issues so I'm hoping it evolves. Um, you know, I lost the, the guy who produces it shortly into it, and I'm not good with that stuff. So we've had to do a couple of things on the fly. Um, and, you know, I do, I, you know, I write a column every day for SI.com. So sometimes, you know, things get crazy, and the time I really should be given to the podcast, maybe I'm not. And um, it's a work in progress. I'm hoping it evolves. I'm hoping... I mean, listen, I do want to guest all the time, but like you said, I'm doing sort of like these long-form interviews. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping to mix it up where it's not like that every single week. So bear with me. I know my favorite ones have been where it's kind of been half and half, where we get like 10 or 15 minutes of you kind of riffing on a thing or two or three and then right. jumping into the interview. Those have been my favorites. Did you have fun with Stone Cold? Well, I appreciate that. I had a blast with Stone Cold. Shock, you know, when you... One who's on that level of 
you know, and he's along with, you know, Hogan and the Rock, one of his sort of the top three all time, you know, WWE guys. So you you know, you expect an interview like that where I've never met him, I've never spoken to him, it's on the phone. Those are very tough to do. And he, he could have been more and more uh generous. I you know, we I set up a PR people, they said twenty minutes, he gave me I think forty and just was a great conversationalist. So I, I, that's what I like. I mean, the one I have out, it's out now. I haven't really promoted it much up from more tomorrow. I posted it this afternoon is I did an interview with Evan Longoria, who was nice enough to come to the SI building to tape it. And it's really more of like a conversation than an interview. And that's what I really enjoy. And, um, you know, I know Evan a little bit. So we were able, you know, I was asking him about the unwritten rules in baseball and how dumb they are and, Um, we got into, he's a foodie. So we talked a lot about food and he's a diehard game of Thrones fan. And he told me he just started the Sopranos and he's in season four. So that's the, you know, we had a good conversation. It's not like, you know, Evan, why are the race slumping? And so I, I, this one is good. I hope people listen to it. I know it's it's sort of a narrow and niche thing. If you're a baseball fan, you might not get into it. Um, but it was just a good conversation. So I enjoyed it a lot. Don't you always find yourself jealous of someone who's, either just starting or in the middle of Sopranos and still having, like, fresh ones waiting for you. You know, it, it's funny you said that because I thought about that. I said, like, it would be so awesome to get this, like, to just start watching the series. And so, I, I mean, you, I'm sure you go through this. I, I was so irate and pissed off with myself afterwards, and I was, like, depressed for about three hours because I wanted to ask him. I, I thought of it after, and I didn't think of it at the time, like, the Sopranos had arguably the most um, iconic series-ending scene ever, and I'm curious as some as someone like him who's just in season four, like, does he know how it ends? Right. As he, I mean, how do you avoid that? <laughs> I wish I would have asked him that question, and it kind of bummed me out that I didn't afterwards. But um, but we still we had some good talks about the, the Sopranos, and he was he's really into Game of Thrones, so. Do you like Game of Thrones? As most you, people seem to be. I don't. I don't watch it. I'm not. I don't, I'm not a sci-fi a dragons and whatever else is going on there. It's not my speed. I've, I need people in my TV shows. I've watched it, and I think it's really great at what it does. But like you, I was watching the first season and kind of digging it, and then the mother of dragons walked into a fire, and I thought, oh man, she committed suicide. And then she came out of the other side of the fire and didn't have a burn on her, and I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm out." Yeah, see, I can never, <laughs> I can never, and I like, listen, I'm not, you know, I have no issue with someone watching it. Obviously, the popularity is through the roof, and you know, it's a phenomenon. And if someone who covers media, I I appreciate it from that standpoint. I mean, I just personally, it's not just, you know, I don't do Lord of the Rings, I don't do Harry Potter, you know. Yeah, I haven't seen my any. bag. I haven't seen any of that. Uh, best Hard Knocks in a few yeah. years, or what did you think of Hard Knocks? It definitely was better than the last couple of years. I think Twitter, like many things, it, it sort of, I don't even sort of killed. That's very dramatic. But Hard Knocks took a lot of the appeal and, and what's the word I'm looking for? It took a lot of the juice away from Hard Knocks, I think. I mean, if something crazy happens in a camp, it's on Twitter. If there's a video or you know it, it's harder and harder to get inside behind the scenes stuff you know so they still manage to do a couple you know then they have the rookie singing and then that kind of stuff but you're so you're so open to athletes lives now they put everything out there instagram twitter snapchat 
So the behind-the-scenes thing isn't as special and on a hard knocks as it was those first few years. But I think the Bucks were a more interesting team than, um, I mean, the Falcons a couple of years ago was terrible, and I think they did the Texans for a second time, which was a little repetitive. So I, I did think it was much better this year. I thought they did a good job with the kicker getting cut, and kind of you heard about mm-hmm. that like on Wednesday, and you're waiting for the next week to see the the kind of the right. drama of it. I thought that was pretty good. Gerald McCoy, did you find him to be this guy with an unbelievably perfect personality for the show or someone who clearly was hamming it up uh, because the cameras were around? What was your what was your read on McCoy? Who I, I found him fun, but Yeah, I mean I thought I mean that was one of the things I liked best about the show was this is a guy who I knew nothing about and I thought he was a very interesting guy who I enjoyed watching and I found him entertaining. I didn't I didn't get the impression he was hamming it up. Um I don't know. I thought Jameis was you know I found Jameis really interesting. I, I always watch Hard Knocks with my wife because she seems to enjoy it and uh we were watching the scene where Jameis is at his house with his girlfriend and mm-hmm. she turned to me and said I wonder what she she said. Oh, she said this was the quarterback who got in trouble at Florida State, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, right. well, she said, well, they just said that they've been together since high school. And I said, yeah. And he's and she's like, oh <laughs> man, she couldn't have been happy when those stories started coming out. Well, they could have been on a break. <laughs> That's what I, mean, I said. I said, well, you know, long distance. Who knows? You know. But uh, an athlete, you don't, you have no idea what kind of deals athletes have with their significant others when. You know, I was from her end. I thought it was more interesting. She picked up on that, though. I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff here. We're just kind of going from one to one. Oh, Aaron, sure. Aaron Judge, uh, more in the long term. You think he's going to be more first half judge or second half judge? I think it'll be more first half. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was in the second half, and I think he's actually picked up a little bit lately. Um, obviously, uh, you know. I'm not going to lie. I'm biased. I'm not objective when it comes to the Yankees. But I know you're a Yankees guy. I am objective. I'm objective, but I am biased. Um, But, yeah, I I expect it to be more. I mean, listen, I don't think he's going to have 50 home runs every year. You know, he's at 40 now. But, you know, he's going to be a 35-100 guy every year, I'm sure. At this point, what, what, as a Yankee fan, what do you need to declare this season a success? Has... Being in the wild card all year enough, or they need no, to make it? it's already, for me personally, it's already a success. Okay. I wasn't expecting any playoff appearance. To me, this year was all about getting, you know, getting rid of all the old guys and bringing in all the young guys, and they've done a phenomenal job of that. Judge is in the lineup. Sanchez is in the lineup. Greg Bird is in the lineup. He's dealing with a little back issue now. Todd Frazier is here now. You know, there's a couple of guys. You know, CC and Headley. Once they're gone, it's all young guys now, and um, you know they do need. I think they need probably pitchers if they want to be a World Series team. Um, but everything they've done so far this year has been phenomenal. Yeah, I would love to see them win that wild card game, just because I think baseball playoffs are insanely more fun when them and the Red Sox are in it. Whether they're playing, I do think I'm like. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say whether they're playing each other or the possibility that they're going to play each other exists. It's just like for me as someone who's yeah. more of a fan of the sport than any team, I love when they're both involved and in it and good. Yeah, I mean, so does the rest of the country based on the ratings. And unlike the last couple of years, the Yankees have 
over the last few years, I should say, when they have done that one game wild card, I mean, they always had no chance and they would lose it and be an embarrassing game. And this year, doing a one game wild card game, they have a chance. So it's a whole different ball game. This yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think there's any like. I think that they're probably the best team of all those teams kind of in the hunt. And if not, they're going to get right. – they're not better than the team. They're going to get a team that they're certainly on par with, not anyone that's right. like out going to outclass them, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Yeah, but with baseball in a playoff, you never know if you're going to run into a guy who's just going to mow you down for eight innings and then you're you're out exactly. before it's, you blink. You know, yeah, it's about peaking at the right time and getting your pitchers out I, at the right time. Are you looking forward to kind of – the idea of October maybe being the most sports-heavy month we've had in over a year. I mean, last October, we're one month away from the super-polarizing election. I mean, luckily, Cubs, I think the Cubs story kind of did hold us in a little bit, but I think October could have the potential for sports to really take back our our consciousness a little bit, and we can just get lost in football and playoffs every night and basketball and hockey starting again. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Well, I don't think this ever going to happen as long as Donald Trump is the president. But um, I think that October is by far and away the best sports month of the year. So, you know, the Cubs and Indians last year were phenomenal. I think I love those days when you have, you know, NFL on the weekends, you have your baseball playoffs every night during the week. Uh, I'm always, I think October is the best. The only negative about October is you are tired a lot of mornings. A lot of late nights, but you you <laughs> just point. fight through it. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. These baseball games, these playoff baseball games, can go into the wee hours sometimes, almost unnecessarily oh, yeah. too. Seems like sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the sports guys are here with Jimmy Trena from Sports Illustrated. Um, I thought you did a great job going back to the podcast really quick uh, when you kind of mm-hmm. laid out everything that went down at Fox Sports One, and it was really interesting. And also, I think it's been interesting how we've had these sites with the with the video pivots that nobody mm-hmm. really seems to want, except for maybe the advertisers for whatever reason. Uh, and what I think has seemed to grow out of that are all these different paywall sites for sports. These the Athletic right. and all their uh, branches and the national sites, the, you know, Mandel's athletic page is like a national college football version and Rosenthal with baseball. And then each city, like the Boston sports journal with Bedard and, um, all the different things. What do you think about the future of these pay sites? Have you tried any, um, what's kind of your feel in terms of sports media and the, the evolution of these pay sites? Yeah, it's a mystery. I, I can't sit here and give you an answer of what I, think is going to happen because i have no idea what's going to happen i hope it succeeds i i mean listen personally i think pay a pay model for a sports site is rough i'm not sure it's sustainable but i'm not a business person so i can be 100 wrong i hope it works i think you know i think the issue for the athletic more than anything is you know let's say ken rosenthal writes something that's behind a paywall um, you know, and he has a piece of news in there or, or an interesting quote from an athlete, from a baseball player. The people who do subscribe to The Athletic are going to see that and copy and paste it or take a screen grab and put it on Twitter, and then it's going to be everywhere. So I, I think you can 
I mean, if the athletic has something great, you're going to be able to see it, whether you're paying or not. And I think that's a, you know, it's a, it's just, you know, it's this crazy fight sort of almost that newspapers are in, you know, here in New York, you know, I can go to the local, you know, card store, stationery store, bodega, whatever you want to call it and pay a dollar 25 for the New York post or the daily news every morning, but everything is free on their websites. Right. So, you know, it, it, I, I don't know what the answer is. And, um, you know, the video thing is just that it depresses me because, like I said, you know, advertisers want video, but I don't think users do. I think users want um, natural video that's not staged and not talking heads and not people talking. They want someone, you know, falling down a flight of steps. So I don't know what the answer is there. Advertisers seem to not care that users don't want that. And, um, we really- like I said, that's a whole business thing that is not my expertise. We want content that we can quietly read in a public bathroom. We can't watch a video on the toilet in the bathroom <laughs> at the Applebee's. We need to be able well, to read something. Right, but but if you see a good video while you're on the toilet in the bathroom, you I, can I might make sure to it. go watch it. Yeah, I might, right. I and, might you know, and As long as it's 30 seconds or a minute, you'll find the time to squeeze it in. Um, I will be honest. I had Mandel on. And I felt like I owed it to him to try the athletic. And they should have not given me a free week. Because if they wouldn't have given me a free week, I would have paid for the year. I would have been okay with it. Right. But I had it for a week, and I just couldn't justify it. It is. It's also one of those things, I think, where, where if you are paying for you want to make sure you are reading it every day. And I know for myself, like, I have trouble reading everything I want to read in a day. Like I still like have written down on a piece of paper, like read about iPhone announcement, read about iPhone X, read about, like, there, you know, the announcement was made yesterday and I had no time to sit there and read, you know, I like, you know, I'll go on Mashable or whatever tech site, read about it. And I still have not been able to found the time to do that, you know? And I, so I think if you're paying for a site, especially, um, you know, and you don't read it for a couple of days, you're going to think, why well, am am I paying for this? You know, it's something, if you're paying for it, you want to make sure you're reading it every day. And, you know, sports fans get so much thrown at them every day. And as we've talked about throughout this podcast, if you're someone who's following what's going on in politics, now you're adding that to your reading list. And then if you're a tech guy, you know, and what I do for a living, I try to say what is going on with Facebook and Google. And, you know, so you read those articles. So writing something where you're paying for it, it, it's daunting in a way. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that the iPhone because I think I was on TechCrunch, and uh, I showed this. Okay. I showed yeah. I showed this to my brother. the The first story said, "Apple announces the greatest iPhone" or something like that ever, and then the next headline said, uh, right. "Apple iPhone 10 Meh. It's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> clearly, there you go. Clear, clearly, TechCrunch is is not. It's going to go both ways on this one. I'm really excited right. for it. I'm going to pay. I, I'm glad they have a premium phone. If if you want the premium, right. go ahead. If not, they also announced the eight and the eight S. You can get that if you want. I'm excited for. That. I think right. That like I don't even know all this yet. I still have to read about it. I'm going to read about it tonight. Though once we wrap this up, I'm going to do some reading and hopefully catch up. Yeah, they announced three phones: an eight, an eight S. Yeah, or I the, saw that. Yeah, the eight. Uh, I guess not the eight S. What are they? The eight plus is what I'm trying to say. And the uh, and, right. and the ten. Uh, last couple of things. Yeah, that's weird because when you when you look at Twitter, you just get the like. I know there's wireless charging. I know there's a new screen, but like I don't 
you know, but you only you're only getting 140 characters of information, so I need to do a little bit more research. Right. All right. Last couple of things, and I'll let you go so you can read about that because it is exciting news. <laughs> uh, let's right. do the real quick New York things, and I'll let you go. Uh, sure. Carton. Oh my, huh? You did. <laughs> Whoa, that was a that was a Twitter feed. I had to go back and make sure I read what I thought I read, kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, um, I guess everyone was shocked. I, I, you know, nothing shocks me anymore. So, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, I don't listen to a show, so I don't know. Like, I don't have a. Yeah, I don't listen anyway. Uh, either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a connection. Um, but you know, as more, I, I think the issue for him, from what I've seen, is you know. If he has other skeletons in the closet, you know, I think he's going to be in big trouble because they're going to come out. Um, you know, there was a thing after the arrest that his he has a charity. Mm-hmm. And the charity yeah, so it's going to get worse before it gets better for him what, from a media standpoint. The interesting thing to me about it, because I said I'm not – I mean, once I get over the shock that, like, a really popular sports radio host had his door kicked in by the FBI, I found that, like, the right. second most interesting part of it to be – that Neil Best, it seems like, talked to Francesa, and he said he opened the door to stay now uh, by saying right. he won't leave the station high and dry. What do you think of that? Yeah, that is an interesting one. Um, it's funny because I said all along I don't think Francesa would ever leave, and then about a couple of months ago I changed my tune and I was like, he's definitely leaving. And now, of course, he does this. So I'm mad at myself for changing my mind because I could have been right about all this. <laughs> I I do think it's interesting. You know, I'm not sure. You know, my I, I always thought one of the weirdest things about Mike's departure is that he's leaving on December 15th. It made no sense to me that he went and finished out the football season. I mean, it's December 15th. You have, you know, two weeks of NFL playoffs. and, and Well, more than that. You have two weeks of the regular season. Then you have the playoffs. Then you have the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't he stick it out another six weeks? Um... So, I don't know, maybe this is his way of extending it so he finishes the football season. I, I don't know. I, it, I, you know, I was told there's, like, no amount of money that would make Mike stay. You know, now he gets to sort of be the martyr and say he's staying to help the station. I, I don't, again, I feel bad. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I find the whole thing. Who they're going to, I mean, right before we jumped on this call, I don't know if you saw it, Carton came down, like I said, right when I called you. Officially resigned from the from FAN, which means oh, they fired him. Wow! So, so they officially now have to find a replacement to join Boomer Size, and and then they have to find someone to replace Mike. So it's going to be where are we now? September fourteenth. He's leaving December fifteenth. So fascinating three months in New York for for the legendary radio station WFAN, no doubt. Yeah. Really interesting. You've listened less over the last year or two, right? Is that because of politics? Yes. Yes. No. Well, well, it was more because I was unemployed. Because when I was working, well, it was two, it's a combination of things. Okay. One, Mike not the biggest issue is Mike not being on TV and me not working. It was the combination. Okay. Because when I worked at SI and even when I worked at Fox. One o'clock would come around, and I, w- I had a TV at my desk. I would always put on Mike at one o'clock. So then when he wasn't on TV, I'd have to put on the radio or listen online, and I don't like to listen online, which that's a whole other thing. So when I was not, so when I got laid off and then I wasn't working for a year, um, 
putting on the radio at 1 p.m. was just not a priority to me. My priority was either getting a job or I was just going through massive depression and I didn't really want to listen to them. Um, and I just, the show for me just became harder and harder to listen to. Not because of politics, I just thought it was a joyless show. I mean, Mike seemed grumpier than ever, didn't want to have fun with the show. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the, the prank caller, Sour Shoes. Who's oh, yeah. Oh, Sour genius. Shoes is a legend. He, yeah, yeah, legend, yeah. So he calls... Right, because you were saying, listen, yeah. so he calls every show and every host has fun and laughs with it and has a good time. He would call Mike and Mike would hang up on him and get pissed off. <laughs> I mean, I just found show, Mike's show just became completely joyless to me. And so it was, it, you know, I, I've always, I, my belief in life is that when something happens, it's never for one reason. So, you know, Mike not being on TV made it less convenient to listen to. Me not working sort of, you know, I wasn't at my desk, I could do what I wanted. You know, I was, when I was bolted to my desk, I would listen to Mike, but I wasn't working. I could do what I wanted. I didn't listen to Mike as much. And then his show just became hard to listen to. And yeah, and then it was the election. So I was watching cable news more than listening to Mike Francesa during the day. So it was all of those things wrapped up into one, you know, Gotcha. It's interesting. You say joyless because I fight, I've been fighting that with Stern for a while. Um, it ha- it has its it has its its moments its hours here or there where you remember why he's the greatest, but I don't like it all when it becomes pick on employee X day, and he just spent, oh I love that oh no it's terrible I like those people well, especially I like, I, Gary I, I, I like Gary I know it's probably shtick but like it's all shtick it is it is I don't yeah. like it though yeah, I'm I don't a millionaire because. Of- yeah, you know, I love it, and especially I love it when it's Gary. I love it when it's Richard and Sal. I love it when it's JD. I love it. Recently, it was Scott the Engineer. I love when Howard picks on the staff. It's probably like my favorite thing. But if it's just fake anyway, <laughs> why bother? Because there's because even when it's fake and you tell a joke, there is some truth in there, and then it's funny. Uh, I don't know. I feel and it's like... just the whole. I just love the whole way it happens where. He'll berate Gary for making a mistake, and then Fred's playing the drops, and then Richard Timmons, Gary drop is going, and there's a Gary song that's making fun of Gary. Okay, that part's brilliant. I'll give you the Fred part. Fred is brilliant. Fred, anytime Fred is involved, I'm happy. I'll give you that. They they recently, I think they played last week, I don't know, maybe when they were having the Hurricanes with, you know, Irma and Harvey and all that. They, you know, they replayed when we had uh, Sandy here in New York and Gary, can I depend on you? You're not dependable. Oh, that's and one that's of my most we... hated things. I can't believe he treated Are him you... like that. I can't believe he treated oh, him like my... that. Oh, but he's kidding. It's radio shtick. He's kidding. He doesn't, he's not mad that he's taking, that he's not going to come in. Well, like I said, if it's fake, what's the point? That was supposed to be the genius. The genius of the show was supposed to be that it was genuine. And if it's just an hour of him well, vacating Gary, which I, I like, I couldn't have disagreed more with Howard every second of that hour. So I just found myself like banging my head against. Howard, go ahead. Howard knows that it's a, it's it's a, it's an act. He, as soon as those microphones get off, go off. He's telling Gary, "Go go take care of your house." I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. I know that that's the case, and maybe that's why. I just can't come to grips with yeah. that because I know that that's the case. You know what I mean? But right, I right, just can't. Right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but there has been. I love. I still love anytime the Wack Pack's on. I love his interviews. I love. I still 
A lot of me still loves the hour of the news. I do wish there was a comedian in there at least once in a while. Howard would play off of. I don't know why they got away from that because that's always been really fun. Um, and then my only other complaint is when he's not on and the Sternthologies are far too heavy on the last five years of the show. They I have, agree with that one 100%. They, well, I, I don't mind the last five years. I don't want to hear anything from the last two years. Like, I'm oh, fine, that, like I said, but it's just the Hurricane Sandy, I mean, you don't like that bit, but I love that bit, so that was, whatever, four or five years ago. That's not, I don't want to hear anything from last year. I don't want to hear anything from the year before, and I would love more old stuff. I totally agree. Yeah, you got 30 years of archives there, and you're concentrating so much on 2010 to 2017. It drives me nuts. It's like when you get, I think yesterday's Stern Anthology I listened to, and it was really good. It had the Hank Hank's death announcement. Um, it had right. just like four or five things that were out of the, that were either in the first, the first serious contract and the last, this, I mean, how do I put this? The first serious contract and the last part of terrestrial radio before he announced he was leaving and it got so dump heavy are to me the two best kind of errors of the show. Um, I, I don't, I have this battle. I actually prefer the K-Rock years to the serious years. Because for me, and again, I think this is maybe me coming at it from someone who's in media. I lo- There are two things I loved about the K-Rock years. I loved the fact that it occurred, and it was a game to get naughty stuff on the air. That led to so many great bits. And him getting bleeped led to so many great bits. And I loved where, you know, with Sirius, he's the boss. He does whatever he wants. I loved that it... K-Rock, he would have these battles with Tom Chiasano. Right, yes, incredible. And He's a villain. It was such He's, a huge... Yeah, Tom's yeah. a villain. You, you want yes. to tear Tom down, I'm all for that. You know, he's a good villain, you know, so... Even right. if that was so, shtick, I, I could get on board. I loved it when, you know, he would want to talk about something sexual and he couldn't say the words and he was trying to think of the words to say and they would, you know... I and it, His battles with the FCC were so great with the show. Now there's no... For the show now, there's no battles with the FCC. There's no there's no battle with anyone. So I I've always said I like the K Rock years. I like the Jackie years better than the Serious years. But the one thing I do love about the Serious years is I do love Sal and Richard. But um, the the like you know you got back you you were saying earlier about the realness. I do think you know when he was pissed at Tom, that was real. You're always pissed, you know everyone always is pissed at their boss. Like that that was the realness there that I always liked with the K Rock years. Yeah, I I love the K Rock years as well. It's almost like the Seinfeldness of it, you know. Seinfeld was right. like, how can we get a show about masturbation to clear nine o'clock network right. sensor, like that aspect of it? But I did think that the first five years at Sirius were also absolutely brilliant. Artie just at his top. Um, no, like the 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 freedom from the length from the commercials. I think the way they would start the sh- yeah the the first series contract, the best shows where the Mondays after they were off for a bit, and they would spend that first right. hour just talking about their life for those four to 15 days or whatever, and, man, I ate that up. All right, uh, right. Jimmy Trainer is on uh, Twitter. You can find him there. It's at Jimmy underscore Trainer, correct? Or did I screw it up? No, no underscore. No underscore. Okay, I just won't. at Jimmy Trainer. Uh, the podcast, which One I – One word podcast i like it's it's evolving it's called off the board uh get it on apple podcasts and every day his sports illustrated column 
really fun. SI.com uh, for train of thought daily. Uh, it ends usually with a wrestling bit, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. I wish there was more Hogan era stuff. Um, All right, I'll get you. I'll get you more Hogan era stuff. We could do that. Yeah, it is a bit Attitude era heavy. I know you love the Attitude era. Uh, I but, do love the Rock and Stone Cold. Yeah, we need a little bit more eighties. Um, did you hear the something right. something to wrestle Macho Man episode? I have not because I have not had four hours. Oh, about I'm, and it's going to be really hard now with football here to really do those long marathon sessions, but. Hopefully, I can sort of work on it over the weekend. Yeah, you should. Best. You uh, should at least over, you know, Saturday. Maybe do I know it's four hours, so that's why I'm. You know. Yeah, maybe do an hour a day because it's it's the, probably the best one yeah. they've done. All right, Jimmy. Anything else right, you want to plug? High praise. Anything else I want to plug? No. What happened to the Megan Kelly question that from like an hour ago? Well, we was, talked we about never it. Got to. We talked about it very briefly, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to get. If we go any further here, we're never going to get out of this hole. You know, and okay. I just I had so many other things I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to get stuck in a political drain. I'm just I'm just I'm almost tapped out. I, I almost I just can't handle it anymore. I it's been sucking. I just the life has been. It's only gonna get worse. You got to You got to do. You got to do something to make peace with it because it's only gonna get worse. Like I, I can't even. Get better. One of my best friends I made making this show. Like, however, you can be friends with someone on this show is Jeff Perlman. I, I can't even follow him on Twitter anymore. Like I lost that. I miss Jeff. I miss the guy I knew before Trump. I mean, I just can't. I just didn't want I, – I want, I, we had so much fun, I thought, these 45 minutes talking about all these other random things. I think if we would have right. got too into Kelly, we just would have got sucked in there. We would have – then we would have been on to Kaepernick. Then the ESPN is liberal or not liberal. We just – we would have never got out of that. It's like the Benji Vortex. Well, I think that's – I do think that's – I mean, when I do engage someone on Twitter about this, I'll, you know, I'll say something. They'll give me a response. I try not to respond, but I will, you know, maybe I'll respond to make, you know, make a point. They'll, of course, disagree with it. And then I'll just say, you know, well, we just have to agree to disagree. I think, and I, you know, I try to end it there. I think people, I mean, the one thing I find is people just don't want to say, like, okay, you know, we're going to have to agree to disagree. You feel your way. I feel my way. You're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change your mind. Especially on Twitter, that's never going to happen. Right. Um, but people do like to just like keep going and going and going. I mean, you know, in the case of Kaepernick, I mean, it, it's as simple as like someone may think he should be in the league, and someone may think, well, he kneeled during the anthem, screw him, he shouldn't be in the league. And it's like, okay, well, you don't need to have it. Like that's it. Now you have your point. You have your point. But I don't see the need to like have the conversation, the back and forth. But People really seem to want to go back. Like, I, I don't know. I just, like, to me, if I tweet, you know, Colin Kaepernick should be in the NFL, if someone disagrees, I'd rather them unfollow me than respond. Right. Like, because like, you're not going to change my mind. So, you know. My, I don't know. and when it comes to Kaepernick, I mean, the only thing that bothers me is people ignore the nuance of it. Like, like the Bills, the, after their third, um, their third, uh, preseason game they had their first two quarterbacks were in concussion protocol so they like hired gussy quarterback i couldn't even tell you his name 
you know, they gave him eight peanuts and let him keep the team shorts. And he was there for 12 days and then cut. And as soon as he was hired, there was a thousand tweets, including from Deitch, who we and him wrestled for a second on it, about how, why wouldn't they sign Kaepernick? And it's like, well, because Kaepernick's not going to come here for 10 days and be cut. He wasn't interested. Right, they, but they were just trying to hire a guy to throw the football at camp for ten days. They have the guys they want. They have Taylor and Peterman. They have the two guys they want. Why? Why would they bring in Kaepernick there? That, that totally ignores nuance. Right, but right, but that while that is all true, the flip side of that would be see that that's what I'm saying. Like that discussion about Kaepernick has nothing to do with the Bills. The discussion about Kaepernick is. He's better than half the quarterbacks in the league if you, let's say, factor in the backups with the starter. However, let's say well, there's 30 teams, so let's say there's 60 quarterbacks. He's better than half of them. So whether it's the Bills or someone else, the guy should be in the league. So then it becomes an argument about the Bills. That's what, that's what happens is the arguments go into places that are irrelevant to what the main, you know, the Kaepernick thing has totally gotten into an, an area that, the whole thing is just spun completely out of control, I think. Like, it was mm-hmm. like... I, the whole thing is just... No one knows. People are like... People create what happened in their minds, you know? Like, the, you know, the, the thought is, oh, you know, he did this for attention. Well, he didn't do it for attention because when he first did it, it was during a preseason game where, like, a grainy camera... Like, it wasn't like it was on TV. It was like right. a camera... Someone, someone put him on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, but if you hate him and you hate that he kneeled for the anthem, you don't care about that. You just care that he kneeled for the anthem. But you still use the argument that he did it for attention. Well, he, well, he, you know, he's, you know, he's doing nothing to back it up. Well, he donated a million dollars, and it's well, he has the money. What's a million dollars? So then it just gets spun and spun and spun and spun. And once everyone has their minds made up, so they're just arguing to argue because, like I said, no one's going to change their mind if what their opinion is. And that's life in the twenty first century, right? I mean, we could name. We could probably sit here and name 20 examples of that, like, uh, hands up, don't shoot. That never happened, but nobody cares. Right. You know, nobody cares. If you want, right. if you rode with that in the beginning, you're going to stick with that. Kaepernick, you know, he didn't do it for attention. He has put his money where his mouth is, but you want to ignore that, you just ignore that and you just roll with it. And that, I mean, that's just like 21st century life now. It's like, we'll just ignore, right. you know. I mean, well, that, you know, and I do think, the one thing I think about all these things, Colin Kaepernick, Jamel Hill, whatever, whatever, I do think they are Twitter things way more than real life things. I mean, I think the Kaepernick thing gets into life a little more, but if you are, are someone, let's say you're a sports fan who's not on Twitter, you don't even know what's going on with Jamel Hill right now, number one. And number two, well, maybe now you do because the White House decided to right. talk about her. Well, today. someone asked them, but, though, to be fair. Right. So right. let's say let's say, let's say say that didn't happen. Let, let's say we had this conversation at 2 o'clock this afternoon. If you're a sports fan and you're not on Twitter, you have no idea what's going on with Jamel Hill. None. Right. And I think if you're a sports fan who's not on Twitter, you don't think the Colin Kaepernick thing is as big a I think you think either, you know, oh, he's un-American, he should be in the league, or you think, like, oh, why isn't he in the league? And, like, I think that's the extent of it. But like you said, like that whole thing with the Buffalo Bills, that happened because of Twitter. Like, you, it, 
If you were on Twitter, that argument or conversation or dialogue would have probably not, because no one outside of Twitter would have been like, why is he on the bills? And then you wouldn't have explained that they just need to sign a guy for a 10-day contract. Like, um, I do think this is all Twitter stuff. So, yeah, that's, you know. That's smart. Uh, last, I'll give you the last thing. You can respond to it, and then we'll go. Um, the, wh- sure. the last thing I'll say about Kaepernick is this. is If you compare it to the Joe Mixon situation for a second, not uh, I'll, I'll explain how not not like uh, just let me let me explain it. Uh, w- during the draft, uh, after the draft, it came out that Joe Mixon was only on four draft boards. That's according to Schefter. So if he's right, he's right. If he's not, he's not. He said Mixon was only on four draft boards. So essentially, there was four teams who would have picked him that day, and one of the four did. And I my guess is that the Kaepernick situation is probably similar to that in the sense that. There probably are four or five teams that would sign Kaepernick, but maybe they haven't had the opportunity. Like they're, they're, uh, the, the moment where they would sign a guy like him just hasn't come up. You know, and um, like I still believe that if one of those four teams finds themselves in need, they'll sign him. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't buy that for a second. But that's hmm. just me. Because I think. You, th- you believe the blackball you know, thing? Absolutely. Oh, because I see, think I just the Giants owner, the Giants owner came out and said, "Now, the Giants' backup quarterbacks, okay, are Geno Smith and Josh Johnson. Who I think they cut, so it might just be Geno Smith. Okay, those two guys don't belong in the NFL. Right. Colin Kaepernick is better than both of them. The Giants owner came out and said, well, 'Well, I'm going to pull my fans, and if the fans.'" You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear. I want to hear what fans have to say about us signing Colin Kaepernick. And I'm okay with that, by the, the way. The Giants. What was that? I'm okay with that, by the way. Like the the Ravens did that too. They okay. crowdsourced it as well. I'm okay with that. Right. The Giants, though. The Giants, though. Owner stood by a, a kicker who, for years, repeatedly abused his wife. Right. Bad job. That's a they bad job. Fans, why didn't they pull the? They didn't pull the fans there. He was but he a- kneeled for the anthem, so they pulled the fan. It, the NFL owners have a thing with the flag and the kneeling of the anthem. The NFL, with their, you know, they want to be this patriotic. You know that, you know, the fans who hate Kaepernick say, "Let's keep, let's keep the politics out of the out of the game." Well, then why are there ceremonies with the flag before every game? Why is the anthem played before it? The politics are in the game. So, which way do you want it? So then, the Ravens GM and coach want to sign Kaepernick. And the owner says he's not going to sign him because of the bad PR. But the owner has, on the record, loves Ray Rice, loves Ray Lewis. But Colin Kaepernick kneeled for the flag. That's where the line is drawn. With they don't want to be NFL owners. Don't want to be associated with someone who's thought of as unpatriotic or hates America. Now they don't care that the reason he did it is because of police brutality, and but it's turned into anti-America, anti-American. NFL owners for the most part, are, you know, older, conservative white men, and they don't want to deal with well, being associated with someone who's quote-unquote unpatriotic. No, I believe, so, that, I believe that's part of it in the sense why, he's never going to get a backup job. He's not. Nobody's ever going to sign him to be the backup because it's just it's not worth it. Which is absurd, though. But that's absurd. Why is it not worth it? Because uh, this is from their perspective. They're not going to bring the circus of Colin Kaepernick into their town. But, he, but there's the fallacy, though. He's not a circus. The, what will the what circus, will follow him will be a circus. He comes with a circus. No, it won't because 
Well, then how come the Niners gave him an award for the most inspirational teammate last year? And how come Chip Kelly, who was his coach last year, said there were no issues with Colin Kaepernick? He was a pleasure to have on the team, and he was not a distraction. Well, that was, that <laughs> was a year I'm ago. Gonna go, I'm going to go by what the coach and the GM say, not what Twitter says. See, Twitter says he's a distraction because Twitter thinks he's unpatriotic and un-American. But the people have to deal with him who are the important ones, the coach and the teammates, they said he was great. They gave him an award. They, the, Chip Kelly said, no distraction. I have no issues with him. He shouldn't have so opted out then. It that, sounds like he was in the perfect situation. He should have stayed there. Well, they were going to cut him anyway because his contract was ridiculous. Well, they should have. Yeah, he was, he was, I think he was going to make $14 million. I mean, he's not a $14 million quarterback. I mean, he is, is probably either a starter on a bad team or a backup. When you're going by ability. Right. He's like around you know. the thirty to fortieth best quarterback in the in the world. Right. Yeah, he's, he's in that range. Two million dollar quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, like he was he beaten out by Blaine Gabbert last year, irregardless of right. the kneeling. Right. Well, he wasn't beaten. Well, that was a whole other thing, though. That's he not, was beaten out not, initially. Gabbert was given the starter job out of camp. But, but he was. But his whole thing was that whole thing because it came it came about because he had lost a massive amount of weight, and he wasn't in shape, and then towards the end of the season, he bulked up again, and then he did play a lot better as the season went on, and so, you know, this, again, it's, you know... It's nuanced. People see what they want. Right, it's nuanced. Yeah. There's a lot, it's a really complicated issue. We'll never solve it here. I wish we could. We won't. If we could, that'd well, be I awesome. Mean, I, you know, he's not, it, it, I think the issue is solved. I mean, he's not in the league, and he's not going to be in the league, so... Um, I could still see him getting on a team at some point. I don't think there's an owner who has the guts. Yeah, I, 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 I do stand by that. I it would have to be as a starter. Like that's just my opinion. Is just that he, if he does get a job, it'll be to play to start. Like he won't be brought in to, right. to be a backup. Well, I mean, maybe not for the football aspect of it. I mean, if someone signs, I don't think he could start right now. Let's say someone signs. You know, let's say on Sunday someone loses their starting starting quarterback, and a team signs him. It's probably going to take him. A week or two. A week, maybe. I, yeah. Who, I didn't think more than that. The guy didn't have a training camp, and, you know, um, we got to learn a playbook. You got to have a training camp. Is he in football shape? Who, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. I, but I think if he did get signed, it still would take a few weeks. I do say that, look, at he did what he did, and he stood by what he did, and he's put his money where his mouth is. I have no problem with the guy. Like, if I... I do think the socks are an underrated part of this too. I think that's hurt him a lot. The pig socks, you know, it didn't help. That's for sure. And the, he, you know, Miami was maybe a spot for him, but I mean, he's wearing Castro shirts around, so he's never going to be in Miami kneeling or no kneeling if he's wearing Castro shirts. You know, right? But this is, but this, but this is, but this goes back to what I said. So he wore a shirt. Now listen, should Castro be a hero of somebody's? Absolutely not. No one would even argue that. Okay, but again, I guess it's your like to me. It's a shirt. Is yeah, to me, it's no big deal. But I don't live in Miami. Having, but I'm saying what I'm saying is okay. He wore a shirt. Is that worse than having someone who beats their wife on their team? Is it worse than having no. someone who's been arrested for DUI on the team? No, of course they, not. But I think I think NFL owners are petrified of coming across as you know, anti-American or unpatriotic. I think that's I'm like sure that's part taboo, of it. Taboo thing. 
Now, going forward, do you think that means trouble for Michael Bennett, or will it just be, well, Michael Bennett's good enough to no, overrun it? No, no, because that's another weird aspect of this. Like, opens up another whole thing is that... They got their guy I now? do think he was the first... You know, listen, it doesn't matter what you do in life. When you're the first, you know, the target's on you. Right. So he was the first. Because, you know, we saw the Browns had, like, 10 players kneel two weeks ago. No, There's no blowback on them. We don't even know who they are, right? Michael Bennett. Um, like, Malcolm Jenkins held up a fist during a national anthem. Um, Robert Quinn, I think, of the Rams held up a fist. Or Marshawn Lynch just sits every week. Nobody seems to care about that. Um, so, you know, Kaepernick was the first. And I think, um, and I do think that, him not speaking has fueled this a lot. A lot of people have said that. I mean, and I, Ray Lewis said that, right? And a few others, I think, have said that. Well, I mean, I look at it like I don't listen. I don't think he should speak because whatever he says, the fifty percent of the people who hate him right. are going to not listen to what he says, and they're going to stand by their face. You know, he's going to say, "I this for this reason," and you know, I wanted to bring attention to. Um, you know, black people being treated unfairly by the police. Now, if you don't think that's an issue, you're not going to listen to what he says, and you're not going to care. If you think it's an issue, then you should. So whatever he says is going to get twisted, and people aren't going to listen to him anyway. So I think it's almost better if he doesn't say anything. But uh, it is fascinating that so many players on the league are doing some form of protest, whether it's kneeling, raising the fist, um, and, you know, no one seems to care. But, you know, he was the first. He started it. You know, it's like when you, you know, it's like little children, like six and seven year olds. He started it. He started it. Well, he started it. And now they got their guy, you know. And I, I'm sure deep down these owners are pissed that he's, you know, donating his money and actually following through because they can't say, like, this was an empty protest or he just did it for attention or he, you know, he's actually, he actually did put his money where his mouth is. He did. So, he absolutely did. Um, yeah. You know. So. I give him 100% credit for that. He definitely did that. I always wondered kind of like. But it is. Is there an end game to it though? Like, if you're Michael Bennett, do you ever do you just have to sit forever now? I mean, it's a you know I to me now I don't you know I actually think that's the crazy thing about this. I actually think Kenick did what he set out to do. I mean, he took right, the yeah, name, so do I, and I think yeah. it did cause. And I think it did cause the discussions about what he wants. Now I don't think, you know, I, like I said, like, you know, you said 10 members of the Browns took a knee. What did it accomplish? I mean, nothing. No one, you know, Marshawn Lynch sitting on the bench the last three weeks during the national anthem is not leading to a discussion about, you know, a black uh, police maybe treating a black man unfairly, more unfairly than a white man. So, um, you know, I think now I don't, I don't know, you know, what, ends up coming out of it. I mean, maybe if they're doing it, you know, as a way to support Kaepernick, maybe that's a different story, but who knows? It's, you know, I, I think it'll be curious to see how it plays out, you know, as the season goes on, will more players do it or will they, you know, stop doing it? And, you know, and it is amusing to me too. Like, you know, the people who are anti-Kaepernick because he's anti-American or not patriotic, you know, they get all worked up about the anthem, the anthem, and, and the networks never used to show the anthem. Now the networks show the anthem because they want to fuel the fire. So I know they do. You know, so, yeah. Like everything else, they've never ever showed the national anthem on, during regular season games ever. Yep. Now they show them. Yep. So no, you're dead on you about know, that. It ends up becoming a game. It ends up becoming a game. Well, listen, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy curb when it comes back. That was something I had on the list we didn't get to. 
Enjoy Can't that. Wait. Can't uh, wait. Enjoy Thank the you. baseball playoffs, and uh, good luck to the Yankees. Uh, I love Train of Thoughts. I can't wait to read it tomorrow. Uh, more Hogan stuff at the end there. 80s wrestling still the best. And I'm sure we'll I'll talk. I'll give you some Hogan tomorrow, I promise. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. All right, I want to thank Field Yates and Jimmy Trainer for being on the podcast. You can find this week's podcast and all of our podcasts on SoundCloud or soundcloud.com slash sportsdeskcasters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are caught by those pod catchers. Yeah. If yours isn't catching us, let us know. We'll straighten it out. You can email us, sportscasters at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters or at Sports. All right. Yep. All right. Last thing for me this week. This is usually our go-to thing. Uh, The Defenders on Netflix, the newest in the Marvel. I don't know what they call it. It's not the MCU, but like the Marvel television world. It's pretty good. Um, If I had to power rank kind of the series, I think Daredevil, like particularly season two, was the best. Um, Howard loves Daredevil. Yeah. uh, our, Our buddy Rob, that is not a superhero guy says it's kind of like a cool crime show because the, the bad guy in it is essentially like just a crime boss um but yeah daredevil season two is the best what am i missing there jessica jones and luke cage are pretty close to each other i like them both and iron fist is clearly the worst it it, it felt like it was rushed just to get the iron fist story into the defenders so that they could have all yeah. these guys on yeah. but the but the defenders as a whole is pretty good i put that right up there with jessica jones and luke cage uh I don't know. It's just always fun when you got the big ensemble cast. It doesn't feel, uh, doesn't feel like just mushed together just for the sake of doing it. Um, I'm not through it all the way yet, but so far I like the story. There's little pieces that the the funniest thing to me about any of these shows uh, in this universe is the amount of disbelief that like people with superpowers have about how other people got their superpowers. Like the Iron Fist guy, he studied in like focuses his chi and then he has like this iron fist and everyone talks about him like oh you're crazy but like meanwhile the one guy's like literally bulletproof like why is that not crazy to him <laughs> and they they discuss like the aliens uh coming to new york from like the first avengers movie like that is discussed in the show about how that happened so like they know there's green hulks and aliens and stuff but oh this guy that just gets his chi like that's crazy you're crazy you talk about dragons and stuff but uh so yeah it's a good show these shows are in jeopardy because Disney split, right? Disney and Netflix are in a split, so... Yeah, and Disney does own Marvel, but I still think it's kind of a separate entity. And I think the Marvel contract is different from the Disney okay. contract. So these can stay on Netflix for a little while, and then I imagine Marvel will just move to I was going to say, worst Disney's case, they'll just platform. do it on, Disney, on yeah. Disney's thing. Um, Which I think is a little bit risky on Disney's part. Uh, I love the Disney stuff. I did it when I was a kid. Now I have kids, and I still like it all, but... You're going to really make me sign up for another thing I just know. to go get your movies. It's a risk. Yeah. It's definitely a risk. Not pumped about that, but they, uh, we'll see what happens. What do you think? Like, in general, not, we talk about all these shows. Like, I waited a year. Narcos came out. I was done with it in four days. I have to wait another year. <laughs> yeah. uh, do we like this? It. You know, you know what it almost is, is? I used to like to buy box sets of shows when they were done. Like, cause then it's like, okay, I got the whole collection. I can right. watch them whenever I want to. Uh, there's almost like 
like the internet would have to shut down or TV would have to shut down for a little while for me to catch up on all the shows I would want to catch. So, I mean, it is good that we can binge them because there's so much, much, every time you talk to somebody, so are you content. watching this? Are yeah. you watching this? Like, uh, I feel like I have to watch a cartoon. Like, have you ever watched Rick and Morty? Like people are telling me today about how good Rick and Morty is. So it's like, okay, there's another show I got to like add to the list. And some, then you got to like prioritize. I'm like, okay, this is I'm going to watch by myself. This I'll watch with the wife. And- because of that, I had a, a no first season rule where I said I'm not going to waste my time. In case it gets canceled. On season or- ones until there's definitely going to be a season two. But I think I'm going to break that rule with, with uh, The Deuce. I haven't heard about it. Uh, it's an HBO show. Uh, Did you do James Ozark? Franco, I think is the star. Did you do Ozark yet? I haven't yet. Ozark's really good. Yeah, I heard it's great. I will watch it for sure. That's another one you'd have to break the no first season rule, though. But now haven't they already said there's going to be a second season? I believe so. Yeah, so that yeah. it wouldn't break the rule. Okay, okay. I, as long as there's going to be two, I'll watch season gotcha. one. Um, but uh, interesting. All right, one last thing for me. Is that it? Do you have anything else? Nope, that's all I got. All right, one last thing for me. So Apple announced uh, the Apple. They announced three phones, actually. They made – well, they announced the next watch, which I don't wear watches. But okay. I'm sure if you do, you're happy that – the watch is now independent in some ways of the phone. It will have its own LTE. That was kind of the big oh, okay. part of that announcement, I guess. Can you get one without it? You can always get it without it. Okay. But so you don't have to buy it. Because like, if it has that, you have to buy a separate data plan? Or do you just put it on the same one as your phone? Like, How does that work? No, it would be on the same. Oh, okay. You could share your data with it. I got gotcha. you. Um, uh, they announced the new Apple TV, which has 4K video and probably stuff it should have already had. Uh, but they always say that's just a hobby to them. Sure. Uh, and and they, they upgraded your videos to 4K, right? Like if you already pre-bought something. And they one thing they did that I guess other platforms didn't is they're not more money. Okay. Like the videos are the same price. Oh, that's cool. The 4K videos aren't, aren't more. That's cool. Which I'm, su- I'm surprised. We always talk about Usually that. Usually anytime they can squeeze a nickel, they'll squeeze we it. We always talk about that with like digital books like why are they more than the physical books ridiculous and like why would they say digital books are way overpriced they could do so much better if they apple's said doing the right thing there it doesn't cost i mean maybe it costs them a little more because of just the bandwidth, bandwidth but, but that's negligible right, right. so they, they're doing what they should that's good uh so then they announced three phones and it's a little weird because the first two phones they announced they essentially immediately said these are outdated really right i mean they announced the apple 8 and the 8 plus okay which I guess would be a, the next in the line of what I have. The, I have the seven because I didn't like. I've never had a plus because it's just too big for me. Okay, I like the smaller eight. That's like the Pixel and the Pixel XL. Same type of line, kind of. Yeah, just bigger. Bigger. Um, and then they went a second later and they did. A, okay, we're gonna do a one more thing, and it was the the Apple X, X or the, the iPhone ten. Yeah. Um, I, this year was a an S year. Right? Okay. You know where it's like an incremental upgrade, not a huge. Right. And the phone is very much an S phone, the first two they announced. But because it was the 10th anniversary of the phone, I think they felt pressure to not just show up and announce an S. Okay. So they named them 8 and came out with the X. They couldn't call it iPhone 10 because that would break the Sure. Right? So it's the 10th year and not the 10th phone. Right. Okay. So the phone is good, I think. Now, here's what I like about it in general. They basically said, this is premium, so we're going to price it premium. Okay. But if you don't want the premium phone, we still have these ones. Price didn't change. Okay. And we still have 
the sevens, which we reduced. So they now have a pretty big line. They have the seven, the seven S or seven plus. They have the eight and the eight plus, and then they have the ten. So they have kind of created. Yeah, it's fun. I was actually just talking to a guy at work today, and he said that about the Apple stuff. Is the one problem is they really have no entry model. Right. I guess they kind they do of now. They do. fix that. Yeah. So. Like if you wanted to spend four ninety nine on the phone, you can. Now what I'm gonna say is I lease them anyway. So okay. I don't really care. Right. If they want to charge a couple hundred dollars more, that's probably less than ten dollars a month for me. Right. So I don't really care. And I'm definitely getting the ten for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not gonna buy a phone that you've already told me is outdated. <laughs> right. That just doesn't seem any fun. I wouldn't buy one at all. You know, I wouldn't I get an upgrade every year and I wouldn't waste it on a phone that's already outdated right and but i do think they did enough for the 10 that if it's 10 to 15 dollars more a month for my lease i'm gonna do it um it's got no bezel or whatever it's edge to edge uh it's got face recognition which some people said that they're mad they love touch id i don't see the difference if i put my thumb on there or point my face yeah i don't not important to me um I mean, it's supposedly the the greatest screen in the history of iPhone. I'm sure it is. I mean, yeah, well, I think, like it, yeah. they always say, like, "Oh, it's the best battery. It's the best screen. It's the... right." Well, of course it is. It it's be. the right. one you made today, right? <laughs> right. Like today, you didn't put out a phone with a battery that's just not quite as good as the one we had in the five. Man, with the five, we had battery figured out. Four phones later, we can't come up with a better. Of course, it's the best. So they're releasing the eight, the eight X, and the ten on the same day. All of them? no, the eight and the eight S. 8s or 8 8 plus 8 plus right um the 8 and the 8 plus come out like pre-orders are friday and they come out like in a couple weeks okay and then the other one it's pre-orders end of october and they come out at the beginning of november okay but effectively the same Fine, essentially. okay same cycle. So they've essentially created now a line of phones that goes from pretty cheap for a smartphone yeah to relatively expensive for a smartphone yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, like you said, it does make it seem like other than if you just don't want to spend the money, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of reason to buy the eight. No, almost that, none. That's weird. Yeah, because what I like size. Doing... If you want to hang on to this size of a phone, okay. Um, like I said, I did read a review where someone loves Touch ID, and they were mad right. that Apple didn't put the Touch ID on the, the back, back. Yeah, that they just went to the face recognition. Okay. I went to TechCrunch, which is a relatively neutral tech site. Sure. Not necessarily an Apple one, but not necessarily like Right, that. right. And they had two articles back to back. One said, Apple announces the greatest smartphone ever. And then the next announcement said, uh, the headline was, Apple X, comma, meh. Oh, yeah. So they're apparently going to middle it. Yeah. I say this all the time. Like a few people are like, oh, Apple made the Note. It's just the Note or whatever phone, right? Okay. Why is it a lot? Is it a lot bigger? It's a Note. No, is pretty huge. It's right? in between the size of this one and the Plus. Oh, okay. So it's not as big as the Plus, but a little bit bigger than the one I have. Uh, I think it's like five and a half inches or something like that. The one thing I have noticed about all the Apple Android, talk, I, I feel like the fanboyism has kind of backed off. Like I think people kind of well, re- recognize think, they're all good. Like let's say. Let's say Apple, to some degree, copied some of their innovations. Well, the best phone that they both put out, like when, like in November when you go to buy, let's, you say, let me have the best Android phone and let me have the best Apple phone. Who, regardless who came up with it first, they both do the same thing now. Right, right. I mean, and then if the next Apple phone comes out a little bit earlier than the, the Android, 
with the ten. Then by the time they get theirs out, they'll match it or go above it. I say this all the time. If you are comfortable with Apple products, if you enjoy, You'll just stay with them. Just stay with them. Yep. If you love Android and you're comfortable with their products and you're in the Google world and it seems the most seamless for you, you'd stay there. And I right. don't. Why is that a problem for anyone? No, and I think people have. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's become like we talk about this with the Pearl Jam uh, message boards. Like the Pearl Jam message boards is full of people that hate Pearl Jam. You, you would think uh, the Adam Carolla subreddit is all people that hate. Oh, Adam the Carolla opening Anthony one's got to be the worst for that. I, I don't. I haven't. I don't. Boy, they hate everyone that one. in that but, world. Uh, but yeah, I just saw a thing. It was from like the our Apple subreddit, and they posted it on the our Android thing, and they said, "Hey, join us over here for the." whatever they call it the, the announcement the announcement yeah and some one of the android users writes apple users oh everything sucks about this android users oh that's kind of cool i hope our phones get that you know what i mean so it's kind of flipped around where like now everyone's all jaded about their the phones. only thing the only reason i wish you or anyone who doesn't have an apple phone had one is so that we could both be on iMessage otherwise okay. i could care sure. less right you know like there's a couple like small bummers about when someone is an iMessage, if they're in a group chat, you can't name it. Oh, okay. You know, like there's some limitations when it's a mixed group chat versus when it's a all iMessage group chat. But that's it. Like otherwise, why would I ever care what phone you carry around? Right. It's a bizarre advancement in 2017. Uh, overall, like, do you get excited for them the way? You not do? as much because a smartphone's a smartphone now. Yeah. Right. It's a super powerful computer in your pocket. And the things that they change, like right now, we're not to a point where the technology is advancing. It's not taking huge leaps. Where it's going to be a huge yeah. leap. Yeah, right? I'm the opposite. You have, you're leasing yours. I am paying for, I'm still paying mine off, but it's a much lower price. I got a really good deal on it. It was like $200. So, uh, and that's like what I'm paying literally for it. I'm not getting credits or anything on it. It's just $200. If I left today, I would owe the balance of whatever's left. I do have the option to keep paying the payments until I pay it and off then, yeah. and then own it. Yeah. But so what I'll probably do is, I mean, I think the, the next pixel is going to come out. I think next month, I think is their announcement thing. I'll probably skip the, the next one and I'll probably get the pixel three, whatever they call it. All right. But, uh, that's just, diff- I'd rather, I mean, I'm happy with my phone still. I just, but you're already, like you said, you're just in the habit of leasing. Yeah. I mean, I just like, I pay a little bit more. To be able to have the newest phone, have always. the newest yeah. phone. It's only a couple bucks a month. Right. I could easily go to a twenty-four month lease and not do that if I didn't want. Mm-hmm. But they put one out every year. I'm leasing it anyway. I might as well. Like I literally will go to the AT and T store, hand them this one, right. and they hand me the new one. Yeah, I mean, in the past, you would. It saves you from going on Craigslist and trying to sell your old phone. Yeah, which was yeah. a hassle. Yep. You know, I did always give them credit that their products do hold value. Sure. Um, and they hold it even more now. In the non-subsidized phone era, right, right. You know, I mean, my phone, I'm sure, is worth if I owned it. I'm sure I could get a thousand bucks for it, or close, you know, to that. Um, maybe that's high. Maybe five hundred, six hundred. I don't know. Okay. A lot. I get a lot because a large percentage of what the, right. would cost new a- after having it for a year, right? So, all right, that's it for me. 